Attention Talking Simpsons listeners, we have a special mini-series just for you. We're going through the entire first season of King of the Hill, and you can only hear it if you're a $5 and up patron at patreon.com slash Talking Simpsons. We're giving the Talking Simpsons treatment to all 13 episodes of King of the Hill's first season, and if you want a free sample, you'll find the first episode available for free in the Talking Simpsons feed. Patreon.com slash Talking Simpsons. It's the only place you'll find the first season of Talk King of the Hill. Made you go click, 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 click. It's real easy, man. I heartily endorse this event or product. Ahoy hoy, everybody. Welcome to Talking Simpsons, the podcast that is so 1991. I'm your host, the handsome in an ugly sort of way, Bob Mackey, and this is our chronological exploration of The Simpsons, who is here with me today. Sparkle, sparkle, it's Henry Gilbert. And who do we have on the line? This is Jack Allison. And today's episode is Simpson Tide. Good luck, Dad. Although I'm morally opposed to the military-industrial complex of which you are now a part. Aw, Dad, sweet honey. I'll bring you back a hat. And Henry will tell us what happened on this mythical day in real-world history. <gasps> oh, my God! Oh, boy, Bobby, the Austin era has begun as Stone Cold wins the championship at WrestleMania 14. Mm-hmm. Grease is reissued into theaters for its 20th anniversary alongside the inescapable Grease Megamix that was all over the radio at the time. And sitcom writers rejoice as the FDA approves Viagra for sale. And so many jokes were written. A million, a million jokes were written. It powered so many monologues. I thought you were going to talk about Austin Powers. Uh, no. Oh, did that come out too? No, no, that was oh. 97. Okay. But, uh, that's, that's the, the, uh, that Austin is more my speed. Uh, okay. No, no, no. The Austin era, that was the classic call done by Jim Ross after Stone Cold Steve Austin won the title. And it was the beginning, truly, of the Attitude Era of professional wrestling. It's Henry's Wrestling Minute there. Yeah, yeah. the Grease thing, though, it's 20th anniversary, and uh, it, now it's getting closer to its 50th. But that I never... I didn't care much for Grease, uh, but I could not escape that. The Mega Mix was on everything. I don't recall that. You didn't hear? I heard it at my, like at my high school. That all the kids were singing it. It was weird, huge. Weird. The, it it cut together all of like many of the songs, not all the songs, but like like say in the song of uh, "Tell Me More, Tell Me More." Did she put up a fight? Then it goes into Grease Lightning, and it like kind of cuts around all of the like the sex and rape stuff <laughs> in the song. Uh, it's. You, I'm shocked you didn't hear it. This this was everywhere. I have no in, memories in, of this in high school. But Greece and Star Wars were coming back into theaters at the yep. same point in history. Yeah, it's uh, it was a weird time. It was uh, and uh, yes, Viagra, the dick pill revolution began. And now there are so many generic variants I hear about on podcasts. <laughs> uh, it's so great to hear people like Gilbert Gottfried talk about uh, Blue Chew and <laughs> things like that. <laughs> I never heard that. Yeah, one. Uh, the dick pills are, yeah. are everywhere now. I will say, without podcast ads, I would not hear Gilbert Gottfried talk me about cryptocurrency <laughs> and uh, i'm not even kidding about uh, that it really made my day on stone cold steve austin's podcast to bring it back to him i remember that was the first time i'd heard a dick pills ad read and he talked about how his euphemism for it was uh, it'll get your flagpole going at full at full mast or something like that he didn't use like stone cold i guess you don't want a cold direction uh, no no i mean it's a hard it's a difficult thing to for these ultra straight guys to also say like i'm talking about your dick but i'm straight <laughs> your dick in particular. <laughs> but today's special guest is uh, Jack Allison of the podcast Struggle Session. Hello, Jack. 
Hi there. Uh, thanks for having me, guys. This is uh, this is exciting. And Jack, you are a comedy professional. You're a uh, nominally. Co- <laughs> you're a big time tweeter. You're uh-huh. uh, your struggle slash Jack AM. You are such a comedy pro. Well, I mean, I have worked as a professional in comedy before. I I am not currently, uh, <laughs> but yeah, you know, I have worked professionally in comedy. I guess. Yeah. I mean, I I don't know. Like, I do tweet a lot. You, you said that I both am a comedy professional and I tweet a lot. The two have not been concurrently true. <laughs> Uh, but that's one of my favorite things following you on Twitter is that you really you reveal a lot of secrets about the comedy industry as regard to like say nepotism or right. prote- like why comedy is bad it gets explained qu- quite well uh, you <laughs> well Twitter. I appreciate that yeah I like to think of myself as the masked magician but for the comedy world uh, <laughs> and not wearing a mask you know the the Fox series where he revealed all the magician's secrets or whatever right, yeah. uh, uh, I like to think of myself as a kind of masked magician type <laughs> As a comedy professional, you must have enjoyed The Simpsons at some point in your life. Yeah, no, I love The Simpsons. I, uh, you know, The Simpsons was one of the first ones, and I'd say the second one ended up being South Park, of a show that I, like, as a child, sort of had to sneak to watch because I knew it was a, a cartoon that was intended for adults. So I do remember, like, sneaking off to watch Simpsons and then finally getting caught by it uh, by my parents. And then, you know, they kind of just got on board and liked The Simpsons. So, yeah. you know, I watched The Simpsons. Happy near every night like when i was growing up the uh, it wasn't really god i don't remember like how old i would have been when the simpsons started but there were a number of seasons already out mm-hmm. and so really for me the simpsons was that daily rerun at 7 30 every night on fox ah uh, and well and in your professional comedy writing career did you ever get in the sphere of the simpsons or anywhere near the orbit <laughs> of the production of it yeah my wife wasn't was was a, uh, an assistant there and mitch was mitch mike mitchell was too. yeah I knew your old roommate roommate was. Yeah. 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 My wife was the writer's assistant there uh, up until just a couple of years ago. She'll be credited on uh, most of the newer episodes, Kate Raft. So, yeah, I mean, I, you know, I know uh, uh, Selman a little, like, I'm not like close with any of these people, but like, I like Selman and stuff. And uh, I've met some of these people and uh, I've been to a table read before. That's Um, great. I've been around Simpsons World a little bit. (laughs) I've been to their shitty little bungalow on the Fox lot. We've, We've heard a lot about that bungalow. Uh, yeah. yeah. Yes. All the questions. Sounds pretty hard. I wonder though if that Disney is going to dump that. They're renting that space right now. Like Disney. Oh wow. According to that Hollywood Reporter piece, any Fox productions, like they, they don't have the space for it on the Disney's property right now. So they're renting. Know production space that Fox is still using from Fox and uh, I would think that's probably going to not last very long. Do you guys have have any predictions on what's going to go down with, you know, Disney's new ownership of The Simpsons? I mean, I apologize, we've already talked about that on the show here. Oh, I have a few. Yeah, Henry definitely has a few. I think it will just be an endless property now, like uh, Mm -hmm. any Disney character. And uh, my old theory was that when a prominent voice actor on the show dies, like, let's say Harry Shearer or Julie Kavner, I'm, I'm listing the oldest people first. Yes. Uh, they would say, you know, out of respect for these people, these people are the characters. We can't continue the show. Disney does not believe in that. Disney has your understudy waiting for you, waiting for you to die if you're voicing a character. Staring at you. Yes. From the but other I side. mean, Fox was ready to replace them all the last time they were trying to get better pay. Like, I think under Fox or under Disney, this mm. thing is like never going to end as long as it's profitable. The only way I think Simpsons ends is like the same as Reno 911, which my understanding was when Reno 911 got canceled, the justification by the 
network was the reruns get just as good ratings as new episodes. Wow. So mm. why should we buy more? Because like the reruns do just as well. So I think that whether it's Fox or whether it's Disney, you were never going to see Simpsons end until the reruns are doing as well <laughs> as the new episodes. You know yeah. what I mean? I, my Here's my just little theory. And I don't know if it's like they cancel it or something first, but I believe that we'll get a Simpsons relaunch of some type where they mm. kind of like try to Star Wars the Simpsons and say like, you know, and imply a little bit like, you know, maybe it was bad before, but like we're back mm. and it's like the way it used to be or something, you know? Mm. Yeah. 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 I think they could have some similar approaches to that. I think the, the, my guesses also involve how they've treated other things, not just Star Wars, but Muppets. And I think like, yeah, uh, Simpsons could end up getting the Muppets thing where they give it one big prestige relaunch. Right. And then when that didn't really take or become hugely popular, they're like, well, let's try a smaller thing. And then when that doesn't take, they try a smaller thing after that. And then it just becomes a thing that if yeah. super fans want it, it exists, but they don't really do stuff. Now, I think this, though, I think that there's a lot of crossover between how Disney has dealt with their acquisition of the Muppets and how they've dealt with their acquisition of Star Wars, because I would push back a little bit. I think that that first Muppet movie they put out from Disney was fairly beloved, and I think everybody mm. like kind of liked it a lot. And then, you know, it was in the second one, which I know people actually liked the second one, but it just didn't have as much excitement. Like, it kind of mm. showed that they didn't, you know have you know that much of a vision for the franchise or something like that then they also swung and missed with the uh tv show i think you're seeing a similar thing with star wars where it's like we had the big force awakens last jedi is well liked obviously you guys like it but it did not do as well in the box office and there's all this sort of fan controversy around it solo is like an outright failure just like the muppets tv show and now they're kind of in this like middle ground where they don't know what the fuck to do with this acquisition like uh yeah so i yeah, I think that there's like a lot of bleed over between the uh, the two types of acquisition or the two acquisitions that Disney's done. Yeah, actually, with Star Wars and Muppets, they both also they had this kind of underlying theme in both Force Awakens and the Muppets of right. saying this mm-hmm. got bad or this isn't yeah. good anymore or the characters it's are back. tired and sad and now right. they're coming back, which that would be weird to do in The Simpsons to just have like Homer as a statement say, I've been pretty tired or Ooh, boy, yeah, I know, it's <laughs> tough. I feel like they could do, like, I feel like there's, I feel like Disney won't let their properties just go on as kind of like this sludge that's unexciting or something like that. I feel like they're going to want to squeeze these new acquisitions to, like, make as much money as possible. And so I don't know how they'll do it, but I do foresee some kind of hey, wink, wink, The Simpsons has been bad, but now The Simpsons is back. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I think the worst case scenario is just like Star Wars, it comes back and everybody thinks it is good again, and it's mm. just not. <laughs> I'm starting to think that the characters and the reruns are more valuable to them than a new show or continuing the show. Sure. Mm-hmm. But I think like Homer and Bard and Mr. Burns and everyone will just be like Mickey and Goofy and Donald, where mm-hmm. they will come back for different right. things, especially, <laughs> I mean, not to be too morbid here, but Macarena is in his 60s. He's mm-hmm. got sure. maybe 20 20 years left of control over this, you know, uh, or at least some buy him out fully. They could also just give him $4 billion like they did Lucas and just buy him out. But I'm thinking like by the time we all die, we'll be on our like fourth Homer voice and there'll be like (laughs) a a goof troop version of the Simpsons where it's like, remember Homer? Now he's back in this new show and like everything's different. So I do think that we'll start seeing like, you know, at like corporate events, it'll be like Mickey Mouse handing it off to Bart or something like that. Like, 
no irony. Yeah, and I would think the I would think Nancy or Dan would probably be into that. Okay, last thought on the Disney thing uh, for me is I think in my previous calculations, think about Disney Plus because the reportage right. I had read beforehand was that the the FXX thing would last a couple more years and they couldn't be allowed onto Disney Plus, which now sounds like Disney just like threw enough money at it I to think make they bought them out yeah. yeah uh and so because of that it being on disney plus they have a deal till season 32 two more years of simpsons on the fox network perhaps when that ends the repackaging yep. happens as a disney plus original series nope. that's more prestige style that does feel like actually a good fit it's like simpsons is coming to disney plus and it's like new and better and just like and how you remembered it before i do think i i, I think that's a good sort of arbitrary because i you know, i don't think they're gonna care they they don't they don't have the fox network they didn't they didn't buy the network that was like carved out in their deal because they already own abc right i think that that is the case they yeah, like they can't buy fox own, yeah yeah they can't buy the fox channel so i don't see why disney would continue to deal with fox for the simpsons show rather than pulling it and putting it on their own platform and that does feel like a kind of nice arbitrary marker for them to be like it's a relaunch yeah and then they can slim down the staff employ fewer expensive writers sure get rid of their current you know deal with gracie no well gracie but also the animation studio oh, film roman film roman yeah and just because also what is what does disney need to have a third party animation right. team with film roman there like they they just bring it all internally shave off the costs and right then it's also possible that like disney will make the show look better like you know what i, I mean like so. disney is pretty fucking good at animation like i, I could see them so. making it feel better than the weird too thin lined uh hd simpsons mm. uh, that are like dead quiet <laughs> the new episodes are very weird and not just from the writing i actually think from like how it looks and sounds on screen but yeah. that's not what we're here to talk about it's yeah. quiet it's scored weird it's not scored enough yeah. but yeah uh, disney could make the show better so but yeah. it, even if they do cancel it we can still do this podcast for 12 more years i've done the math <laughs> yes. so if they were to yeah. cancel it today wow. we still have 12 yeah. more 12 more years worth of podcasts to do no matter we're doing what it all. you are gonna you guys are gonna be able to bleed the simpsons drier yes. than disney or fox <laughs> or whoever just because you started later <laughs> uh they that they should hire us to help them with that just consultant fee man i, I do <laughs> but i get well why do we get to this yeah, episode let's talk about simpson tide so tide, more yes. fun stuh production information uh <laughs> this is one of four 3G production episodes written in 1995, I believe right after the critic wrapped on mm -hmm. Fox, mm -hmm. and it's Al Jean, Mike Reese, and a skeleton crew like da uh, David Stern, um, Reed Harrison, Reed Harrison, and also uh, the two writers for this episode, Joshua Stern and Jennifer Ventimiglia, formerly Jeffrey, and they were two critic writers as well. Yeah. Oh yeah, I was just going to say, it was worth mentioning, we mentioned it on the Round Springfield episode, we'll mention it again, that yes, Jennifer Ventimiglia is the first trans person to write for The Simpsons, though they didn't transition until about a decade after they had left the show but mm. so it's it's worth noting just as a fun historical record there also hopefully that was not considered dead naming or anything uh, their name is on the episode as yeah, that, yeah so yeah, i just want to point out in case yes, you're confused yeah. why i said Wikipedia jennifer too. it is yeah. tough i don't know i don't know yeah. what that you know yeah. i don't know what the rules are for that kind of so if that. i messed up please let me know but the director for this episode milton gray and one of our uh, great animation experts that's been on the show not on this show but what a cartoon tad kamarowski he actually emailed me with information about him uh, out of nowhere just like <laughs> oh here's some thoughts about simpson tide and ah, um, this guy is 77 now and i believe
believe he's still getting work on the show or trying to get work on the show, but he started as an in-betweener on The Jungle Book. So that's how wow. uh, that's how old he is and how much he's been in the animation world. Wow, he worked cool. with Ralph Bakshi a lot. Apparently, he could never really rise to the rank of director, regular director for the show. Mm-hmm. He might have been too old for those duties at this time, but the way Thad tells me that I guess a lot of directors were taking their vacations around this time, so they basically <laughs> gave him this episode. He didn't have a lot of creative input on this one. He was just sort of a very workmanlike uh, worker, but it's a good-looking episode, but this is the one episode he did direct, Milton Gray, yeah. and he was never a director after that, but he continued working on the show. Milton Gray also directed the cartoon All-Stars to the Rescue. No way. Yeah, I saw yeah. that. I, I want to interview him just about that. Okay. Like, yeah, he's one of the many directors on it, but Milton Gray, yeah, is the director <laughs> he, for call, Cartoon All-Stars to the Rescue. He just directed the ALF segments, I think. <laughs> How involved was the government in that? I, uh, I want to ask him. No, I Yeah, I looked at his, his uh, Milton Gray's thing, too. I saw that he was like, he's credited as co-director on Crepes of Wrath, which sounds like a Kent Butterworth situation Yeah, where they figured he, they decided after his one, they took it away from him and gave him a co-director and they're like, nah, you can't do that. He's based on, uh, I did look up his Animation Guild profile and what looks to be written by him, he really talks about how he is a master animation timer. Like he has done animation timing on The Simpsons forever, yeah. mainly under Mark Kirkland and that his most recent jobs were like the top animation timer on Marvel animation projects up to 2017. He's still doing it, yeah. yeah. And like I said, these are part of the 3G production series, and they were written in 1995, and then some of them aired in 1998, which is why a lot of these jokes do feel... Like, I mean, they're dated now, of course, but at the time they were like, oh, you're referencing this now? Especially yeah. when Lisa Sachs is uh, ostensibly supposed to take place in 1995, but it aired in 1997. Yeah. And uh, there are very specific things pointed out in an episode that tells you it was a 95 episode. <laughs> but it's it's kind of like a strange, it's a strange... Uh, yeah, there's some weird... Di- I it. also don't think this episode's that funny. <laughs> or yeah. There, there, there are some there's bits... Some funny, there's some funny parts in it. There, there are. There's one part especially that I was like, that, that, like, that made me laugh out loud, actually. They did not set out for this to be a, a Crimson Tide parody. I guess we're bearing the lead. This is a partially a Crimson Tide parody. They had this episode for the show, the two writers, and as they were writing it, Crimson Tide came out. I assume it was a book first, but it was it was popularized as the movie. You know, I don't, I think it was an original okay. film. I just that, assumed it was a Tom Clancy. Well, it's a Tom Clancy <laughs> ripoff. Yeah. Like 100%. Oh, okay. It was Jerry Bruckheimer saw there right. was a Tom Clancy This is movie. a deep impact. Yeah. Yeah. It's, they just like, eh, we can make one too. I, I rewatched it to, to, as prep for this episode. I went above and beyond. Uh, wow. I hadn't seen it since I saw it in theaters with my mom in 1995. And, uh, you know, it's not, it's a good dad movie, I'd say. <laughs> <laughs> it's for it's it's just men yelling around navy propaganda An uncredited writing by quentin tarantino i'm reading oh good god yes like if you if you watch it now there are multiple scenes where it's just like that just came out of quentin tarantino's mouth <laughs> like he just said there's a bit where denzel washington breaks up a fight between two sailors and one sailor's like well he said that the silver surfer by mobius is better than the silver surfer by jack kirby mm. i was like well that's quentin tarantino yeah. right there <laughs> but i guess that uh as they were writing this episode that movie came out and was popular so they incorporated more of those elements and named it this Mm -hmm. to reflect the movie of course that was a 95 movie we're in 1998 now so you can see it reflects a 
time in which it was written. I would feel by 1998, most people did not remember Crimson Tide, the movie. It, <laughs> did it linger in our like in our cultural brains? I this don't movie, think so. I think this it just, is like a, the common Simpsons problem is like how long it takes to animate things. That it's like we're going to be seeing the Simpsons about like lime scooters in like <laughs> after presidential election or something. It yeah. really also was a critic problem where um, they had to guess which movies would be popular to parody because it took nine months from the writing mm. process to see the episode. So often they would parody things and you'd be like this no one saw this i don't get yeah. your jokes about this based on the trailer <laughs> which look i don't think i couldn't guess what movies will be popular back then either now it's just like you're pretty safe making a marvel movie reference i think there are only like 12 movies a year now it's fine <laughs> <laughs> and uh yeah this is also the final mike reese show run episode and we talked oh, to him on the so. uh on the patreon we have that's an interview right, with him yes uh and yeah algina mike reese they were in case you're brand new to the show they were the writing team that were hired in season one some of the first writers on the simpsons sh- staff season three they ascend to showrunner after sam simon kind of steps away and they run seasons three and four leave for the critic but still do this stuff on the side mike reese uh including they also worked on teen angel which was canceled actually a month before this episode aired <laughs> um uh, based on reading mike reese's book he came to hate hollywood and everything involved in it and uh and quit and after my own heart <laughs> Uh, but, well, and he was uh, after show running and creating a couple shows. I think he was rich enough to, and also not having children or divorcing. I right. think Mike Reese could actually afford to do that. Uh, and yes. So- so yeah, he quit and moved to New York and went on a lot of expensive looking vacations with his wife. It looked it looks like a pretty great life that Mike Reese has. And now he writes children's books, and I think even he finds the process strange where he writes a book and sends it to his publisher and someone else illustrates it and then it's a book. He has no impact on like who draws it, what the pictures look like. He was complaining about the cover of his last book, like, I don't like this. <laughs> It's like, wow, uh, the ch- the world of children's books is, must be odd. I guess, well, number one, you have to be famous to write a children's book yeah, or like right. an established writer. You can't just write a children's book. No, I don't think you can just write a children's book on spec and expect to get that out there. Well, you can't I'm, just come up with your own little lesson about why lying is bad and just send that in. Uh, well, I mean, what can you say that hasn't been said already unless you, tr- <laughs> unless you try to couch it in like the Mueller report or whatever? This episode is the first, is like, I guess right at the cusp of like the Al Jean solo show run episodes uh we are uh that will start in season 13 but uh after leaving disney algene is like sneaks into the show slowly yeah. and slowly like because um as you know jack with a lot of wga shows i don't know if this is still the case it but actually it, at 10 it became ga it was not oh. a guild show until 10 I think. well i guess they were oh, interesting they were still abiding by these rules but yeah. uh for for shows i i assume it's the same for a lot of shows but every season needs a few freelance scripts it's a way to get new people sure into the industry it's it's fairness also uh, a way to get the older guys to keep their uh, health insurance it's, that too uh, and and previously on The Simpsons, we would see newer writers do freelance scripts who would eventually become, you know, great writers in Hollywood. But uh, after season nine, I believe like Al Jean would gobble up all of those freelance scripts. <laughs> so there'd be two Al Jean shows a year. And then in season 13, he'd take over the show and he runs it to this very day. Oh, yeah, because their Disney overall deal lasted three years. So it ended in 97 and Reese wanted out and Al Jean wanted to stay. Al Jean also has gone through what seems like costly divorces, if you want to wonder why he'd stay. But... Uh, 
Um, he's so he sticks around and and rejoins the staff as a solo writer. Which I don't know, Jack. Uh, from the insider perspective, how hard is it to decouple a professional relationship like that? After I mean, I think it, just, it doesn't matter if you're working with like friends and you know people that have like that are going to be hiring you either way. Like at Simpsons, you know what I mean? Like uh, <laughs> right. they they probably had representation and all their existing deals were done as a you know team or something like that. But yeah, I mean, in a in a normal world where they were just like a pair of screenwriters like out there and then you know had sold a movie or something it might be very difficult for them to break in individually but Al Jean was just going to get the job from his friends at Simpsons you know what I yeah, mean yeah Jack one more insider question what <laughs> what do you think of the Harvard mafia of the Simpsons uh, I mean, it's bad, I think, to be honest with you. Like, it's tough, man. Like, it's like that when that show started, like, that is a super smartly written show. And I do think that there was like a a kind of camaraderie or something like that, you know, that came from the fact that all these that a lot of these people like had worked together at Lampoon and, you know, that there was a sort of shorthand that they could use there. But I do think that like in the intervening many, many years, it, it has kind of made the show, I think, like more alien and like disconnected from, you know, any actual people and uh and i do think it's like in some ways like a little bit like just ugly and sort of out you know put off putting to outsiders like mm. you know I, there are very for example like you know mike mitchell super funny guy like by all by all accounts like actually a very very funny writer like would never be considered to write something there because he's not like part of the harvard thing you know what i mean like mm. it's just this this kind of like elitist element that uh i i think that honestly has like not done the show any favors and you know was maybe fine at the outset but like now just is kind of like a you know alumni association or something like that <laughs> that's why we have a lot more respect for mike scully now who uh i guess formerly was known to have ruined the show that was the story but now i think we've all changed our minds or at least have a more informed opinion but he is a college dropout mm-hmm. yeah. who wrote jokes for yakov smirnov yes and wrote, funny as fuck yeah he's, he's awesome great. he's awesome on twitter he's really yeah. funny and he's a great guy to talk to we interviewed him as well and the the story behind him was according to fans like he ruined the show and there are some changes no, to didn't. his seasons <laughs> that are different but I will mm-hmm. say I respect uh, his different perspective mm-hmm. uh, as I mean, an outsider in outright, the Harvard room. I'll say outright, just like to just put put a fine point on it. Uh, I think that this is a very Al Jean episode, and I think that the show could probably do with some new blood as a showrunner. Uh, uh, I love the critic. I think Al Jean's a funny guy, but he's been in that job for a very, very long time. Uh, and I think the pro- the show would probably be well suited for some new blood, uh, uh, specifically Matt Selman. I did feel that that Megan Amram episode from a few um, couple months ago. Now, at the time you're listening to this, listeners, yeah, that episode did feel fresher to me, and it felt like, at the very least, the way it engaged with current day topics, which were two years old by the time the episode came out. <laughs> but the way it en- engaged with those topics was not in the musty old way that I felt they would have in other episodes, like that. That Yale episode about robotic SJW students mm. sucks shit. <laughs> and the Megan Ampram one is a lot. Uh, it felt more uh, written by a person under 30. And yeah. I will say, like, there are good parodies, but that's a sort of habit he falls into. There are some yeah. ne- unnecessary parodies in this episode. Yeah. He relies on that device a lot. I mean, he, I've, I, number one. Family guy. Yeah. I mean, he is very. This episode's very family guy. He yeah. and Mike Reese, their first job in Hollywood. Like, so at, at Harvard, at the Lampoon, they, they wrote parodies. Their first job as writers was on Airplane 2. 
2, which right. is a parody movie, a satire. Uh, they just grew up in the world of writing parodies and satire, so that is what like, he's comfortable writing, and that's right. why like a lot of these episodes in this 3G production series, almost all of them are a parody of a movie. Yeah. <laughs> or a TV show. Well, and I complained about this before in the Poppins one, but my personal rule as a critic is that if your entire episode is the core is a film parody, then you're not allowed to do other film parodies around the core <laughs> film parody you're doing. And yet there's many of those before right. you even get into Crimson Tide. Deer, there's a deer hunter scene. There's a very odd... That was the most family yeah. guy-ish to me where Mo runs to the back where there's a deer hunter scene happening with Krusty who just sits there and doesn't say anything <laughs> uh, while he's there in the scene from Deer Hunter. And Skinner is there too. Yeah, yeah. that at least makes sense. Skinner, yeah. he, he is... You right. know, what a Deer He's Hunter a McMahon from the Deer Hunter movie. But it makes sense that Al Jean's last episode of Showrunner before he became Showrunner again was Cape Fear. Yes. Which is a great yeah. episode and it is a parody. And I think, uh, Henry, I think it does stick to just parodying one thing. Ye- just being a parody of the you know, Scorsese there sh- movie. There is a shot in there that's a parody of Psycho. Oh, at, well, at the very least. you can still do that. <laughs> I will also say this, that Cape Cape Fear works consistently within the like existing storyline of the show. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Like we do, uh, we have this character sideshow Bob that wants to kill Bart. And so like that plot line actually just makes sense to put the Simpsons characters into it. I'm not so sure that like Homer Homer is the captain of a fucking submarine does actually make sense within yeah, the like context yeah. of the show that we know. And there are some story things in this episode I don't quite understand, but I guess we'll get to those yeah. uh, when we get to those. Well, and Cape Fear is also an amazing, one of the best animated episodes oh, they yeah. ever did, Rich too. Moore, right? Like, yeah, it's, I think it was Rich Moore's final one, because he left for Critic just like the other two yeah. guys. Yeah. Uh, but all right, why don't we why don't we get into the episode itself? They begin with a Rocky and Bullwinkle couch gag, which I like. That at least they got the real music of Frederick Steiner, like that. Uh, it's very well done. That it's, couch it was gag. cool look. It yeah. was cool animation. I liked it. Yeah, and uh, yes, then we get into the opening with the Planet of the Donuts, which. On the commentary, Mike Reese even admits this is probably a critic joke they didn't use on Critic and reused <laughs> here. Homer Simpson, you stand accused of eating half the population of the planet of the donuts. As Homer's defense attorney, I feel we should be massive. Hey! Did you just take a bite out of me? Uh, maybe. I sentence you to death. Yeah, so you were saying, Henry, that was taken from an unproduced critic episode, (laughs) as were a few other things, like uh, Sherry Bobbins getting sucked into the plane. That was going to be one of those opening film clips. If you're going to write the jokes and they don't get put on TV, reuse them. That's not so bad. But it always, it it does feel, when it feels recycled and it doesn't feel as true to the show, if it's just something Jay Sherman would have done. That's why this production run does feel a little critic-y. They had just done the critic, and I'm sure they were using a lot of jokes they had written for the planned third season that never got produced. I mean, that makes sense because like this episode does have a you know and I, I this is what I was sort of getting at before with the Cape Fear episode is like it does have a quality of like just not fitting within the universe <laughs> of Simpsons and I think this is something is this like before or after the like Homer becomes an astronaut type of oh episode? way after that yeah, yeah. Oh, it's way after then I think this is in that grand tradition of yes. like and I even like the Homer becomes an astronaut episode kind of but uh, this is in that grand tradition of like oh we just are not a show about like a family in like small town uh, middle america anymore 
Yeah, it's a Homer gets it is a Homer gets a job episode, which I think totally too, maybe what makes this stand out in season nine is that if this had aired, if this was a plot in three or four, I think it would have felt more normal. But if we seeing it now during the Scully years, like it does, it feels weirder and you, you notice the differences even more. The Simpsons will be right back. Thanks for listening to this week's episode. Instead of joining the military industrial complex, we love all of you listeners. And we especially want to thank this week's guest, Jack Allison. We love him on the podcast struggle session on his near daily video streams at Jack AM on Twitch. You should check all of that out and follow him on Twitter at Jack Allison because he shares a lot of fun industry insider information about comedy. And if you'd like to support this podcast and hear next week's episode a week ahead of time and at free, it's so easy to do. Just go to patreon.com slash talking Simpsons. $5 a month helps me and Bob do this as our full-time job and get awesome guests like Jack and all the people else we've had on this. Plus, you'll get a ton of bonuses for your $5. You'll get to hear every episode of Talking Simpsons a week ahead of time and ad-free. The same goes for our sister podcast, What a Cartoon. And that is just the beginning. That $5 a month will get you access to all of our Patreon-exclusive podcast mini-series. You can hear me and bob go episode by episode through all of the critic every episode in the first season of futurama and right now we are just wrapping up our newest miniseries talking of the hill where we go through all of season one of king of the hill episode by episode it's tons of fun and you can only hear it if you sign up at the five dollar a month level at patreon plus you'll get to hear all of our over 20 exclusive interviews with writers who have worked on the simpsons in some cases since the very beginning You'll only hear those. If you're a patron at patreon.com slash talking Simpsons, please sign up today. I'm real sorry Seagull took your sailor hat. May I suggest instead of getting a new one, signing up at the $10 and up level at patreon.com slash talking Simpsons. Now I know that's a little more than the $5 a month, but you get so much for your premium pledge. Not only do you get all the previous $10 and up content we made, including videos and exclusive commentaries, but you'll get our hit exclusive monthly podcast, What a Cartoon Movie. Me and Bob talk for over three hours at a time about a different animated feature film once a month as chosen by our patrons. Batman, Mask of the Phantasm, Kiki's Delivery Service, Akira, a Goofy Movie, Secret of Nim, Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse, Aladdin, all have been covered over 22 hours of amazing podcast enjoyment. You can only here at the $10 and up level and in June we'll have another great one. I'm sure you're going to love it. So please consider checking out the $10 and up level at Patreon. It is worth your while and again really helps me and Bob do this full time and we appreciate every single one of our patrons. So please once more patreon.com slash talking Simpsons.
Homer gets woken up from his dream after, again, the apes parody then turns into like a King Kong parody briefly. Which I'm like, oh, get, that's right. Yeah, that shot. parody, yeah. The shot of him reaching into the box for the donuts, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and when Homer, wait, I do really like the animation of the perspective of his drool dripping. That's good, yeah. Did, that, that was really good. And uh, we get a little callback to the giant hand man, his I, only other appearance in the show. I was so excited to see this because I forgot about this. They gave him an origin. Yeah. You get to see how he got his giant hand. <laughs> but apparently he got it as a child because the first incident of someone making fun of his giant hand was in 1956. Hey, yeah, wait so a So was minute. he working at the... Uh, whatever, who cares? But I'm just saying, <laughs> I'm glad that he came back. They remembered him. That's not even an Algene episode. It's a David Merkin episode. Yeah, that uh, I am kind of shocked at that, that they brought back somebody they didn't invent. I, According to the wiki, too, he's never appeared again. This is his only Man, other appearance. Bring him back. So yes, they follow the Marvel Comics rule of radiation makes something big. They throw it into the, uh, the reactor, and uh, it's success as far as Homer is concerned in this next clip. Uh, sir, we found the problem. Some idiot threw this in the reactor core. Success! You did this? How could you be so irresponsible? It's my first day. Since I'd never seen you before, maybe it is your first day. Very well, carry on. Ah, uh, sir, that's Homer Simpson. He's been working here for ten years. Oh, really? Why did you think you could lie to me? It's my first day. Well, why didn't you say, whoa, you're fired. One thing that happens in this episode is Homer gets fired and he never gets rehired. Nope, they just, I just don't care. I just remembered that. Yeah. I think maybe Al Jean was under the idea that you still needed a reason to get Homer out of the plant. When Mike right, Scully yes. would just be like, who cares? He's he's over here now doing this yeah. thing. So yeah. that, I feel like he still felt like he needed to build in a reason why Homer couldn't be at his job or had a different job. To me, this is like the hallmark of these sort of Al Jean-ish episodes. Like this is a very Al Jean structure episode where it like starts off with one thing, Totally unrelated. Like the episode opens on like completely unrelated stuff. And by the end of the first act, we're into a completely different plot for the rest of the episode. So like this episode opens with like Homer gets fired from the power plant because he put a donut in the in the reactor core. And that's going to lead us to that. He is going to join um, the Navy. <laughs> you think that would be the story yeah. like the breadwinner for this family has no job now. Yeah. And right. that's not even a concern. Right. They don't seem that worried. Yeah. Right, which is, I guess, I mean, it's so funny because The Simpsons as a series started with, like, the very real threat of, like, Homer not even getting fired, but not getting his Christmas bonus. Yeah. Like, the show was about this very real sort of family, like, sad, heartstrings pulling kind of thing of, like, he didn't get his Christmas bonus, he wasn't going to be able to do Christmas for the family. Now Homer's, like, getting outright, like, fired, act one, for, like, throwing a donut in the thing, and that's going to lead him to immediately become a the captain of a submarine. Well, and also in the, like, fourth or fifth episode, Homer's Odyssey, he, it's the first time he's fired, and he legit <laughs> Legitimately <laughs> contemplates suicide. What a weird episode! Yeah, <laughs> it's a it's well, a weird. He legitimately episode. almost attempts suicide. Yeah, he is going to do it. He's just like, yeah, he is stopped briefly by the family, and they're like, okay, you're not going to kill yourself. Great, and that's just they they just move on. It's uh, let's get you drunk. <laughs> well, I'm talking about continuity though. Another thumbs up on continuity. When Smithers says he's worked there for ten years, that is correct because he started the day Bart was born. Ah, so okay. ten years. Mm, makes sense. And uh, yeah, so Homer fired nobody really seems to be that but i mean he's sad on his couch but why not have a 
worried about money scene with him and Marge. I mean, they've done them a lot. Maybe it just feels repetitive at this point. But, but maybe if they've done them a lot, maybe that's the him getting fired from his job is repetitive. You know what I mean? Maybe we just, so. Yeah. The whole him getting fired from his job thing, if all the beats around that feel like we've done them a million times. <laughs> and they also bring back one of the very few African-American writers or voice actors in the show's history for this episode, Michael Carrington. Mm-hmm. But Michael Carrington's a very funny guy, He but he does not have a Harvard background. He is a stand-up who became okay. a uh, comedy writer. He played the stand-up in Homer and a Pooh. Yes, yeah. White guys do this. Though. Yeah, and he also wrote Homer Triple Bypass. He yeah, was the yeah. freelancer who wrote that. But yeah, he plays all of the black characters. He was also Sideshow Raheem. Yeah. And and when they had a Spike Lee type, I guess they don't directly call him Spike Lee on the critic, but the Spike Lee character who he meets in the season one episode where he's making a movie. Oh, uh, okay. That, that was also Michael Carrington. That's right, that's right, yeah. yeah. I think it's good when they hire black guys to play black characters. That's that's a, uh, a good casting choice. This episode, though, has a real uh, 90s perspective on the military that I appreciate. I love where that, yeah. It's like, uh, it's sacrilege to say this now, but it's just the military is pointless. It's too much money. Everyone who works for the military is a drunk or a slob, and their <laughs> jobs are very easy. That's that's what this episode says. Yeah. That's not Bob saying that. That's the episode's opinion. Yeah, it's like the sign for the Naval Reserve. It's not just a job. It's a really easy job. My yeah. opinion. Yeah. Well, th- yeah, this is way before the troop. This is only actually three and a half years before troop respecting got foisted upon us. I mean, these jokes here don't reflect the forever war we're in now. Right. And they're so it's it's funny to go back to them. All these jokes about how like the military sucks because they're not killing people. Boo. Yeah. Now we have to re- respect them because we are uh, we have we have them actually out there killing people. <laughs> yeah. Well, these also, these jokes about the reserve have a real direct thing that happened in my life. I had a high school buddy who was like, he was the guy who would imitate Chris Farley all the time. If you knew that type of oh, guy real cut up. Uh, the class clown. Cause he could repeat Chris Farley gags and it looked kind of like him. He was a fun guy. And uh, in 2000, when he graduated, he's like, you know what? The army reserve sounds like a good thing. It's just, it looks easy. It'll be, they'll pay for college later. Good time. I think by his second time in Iraq, is he changed Oof. his mind on that one? Yeah. But, uh, the, the, but these kinds of ads are this way of thinking legitimately lied to him and a whole generation of service people yeah. who and who got completely fucked by it. Yeah. And it, it makes me angry. I have I have similar stories. I graduated from high school in the year 2000, and the common sentiment was like, college is for suckers. The army is totally cool. It's way easy. Wow. You'll not fight in a war. You get paid. They take care of you. Get good health insurance. It's such a scam. It was viewed yeah. as a scam like join yep. the army it is such a scam okay boot camp sucked but after that man it is such a scam and then 2001 happened yep interesting that's so funny i graduated like slightly after that so i was i was in like 2004 so my entire high school you know it was like the people trying to recruit you and shit but it was a totally different attitude of like fuck that <laughs> like, uh, not, like the, i think the recruitment probably got harder for them uh, yeah uh, i'm i'm really glad to hear that that's good that's, <laughs> no i had you know i look back on it now it felt normal then but in multiple classes, our like military recruitment people got to speak to our class yeah, and say, too. "You should join." I was like, "How is this legal? This is I got fucked a, my, up." I, 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 it, like there was real shit because I had to like uh, I had to sign up for you have to sign up for the draft still. Like you have to still sign up for selective services when you turn eighteen. And I still remember that Gillette sent me like oh. a free razor yeah. because I signed up and I was like, "So 
I signed up and the army promptly sold my address to Gillette <laughs> to send me a fucking free razor. I got the exact same yeah. thing in the mail. Wow. So funny. Oof, I guess that's that's the true, you know, passing into adulthood for American men is when they get the free Gillette razor <laughs> the government sells their address to the Gillette company. In exchange for the use of your body in <laughs> yeah, war. exactly. I think I'm out of the selective uh, service zone now. I think it ends at 35. Oh, so good. I made yeah, it out of the draft, right, baby. Yeah. Fuck you. I, I'm too. Uh, I, I just too flat-footed, too asthmatic. Mm, that's uh, that's lucky, man. I, uh, right. Oh, but yes, we uh, actually. Why don't we hear that commercial and uh, and also get a fun little gag about black exploitation horror films? Which let me tell you guys, if you haven't watched it, there's a really good documentary. The um, Shudder, I think the name of that channel is. Yeah, Shudder. Uh, they put out called Horror Noir, a Black History of Horror. Like it's really good. They talk to the real. African-American people who made all these horror films, they got all the experts. Like, it is really, really good. There is a better version of this joke in a later episode. It has Dana Gould stink all over it. It's the movie <laughs> Blackula meets Black Dracula. Oh, I got to <laughs> see that one. I forgot that joke. Next on Exploitation Theater, Blackula, followed by Blackenstein and the Blunch Black of Blocher Blame. Woo! Funky. But first, this word. Daybreak. Jakarta. The proud men and women of the Navy are fighting for freedom. But you're in Lubbock, Texas, hosing stains off a monument. <laughs> you're in the Naval Reserve, America's 17th line of defense between the Mississippi National Guard and the League of Women Voters. After basic training, you'll only have to work one weekend a month. And most of that time, you're drunk off your ass. You know, Lisa, I've taken a lot from this country. Maybe it's time I gave something back. Are you thinking of joining the Naval Reserve? Would you be proud of me? <laughs> sort of. Then I'll do it. What is Inconsistent the... with what Lisa says later, of course. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Lisa just exists in this episode to just comment snidely on the plot. Yeah, yeah. There's not a lot going on with her. Uh, no, they, they're pretty uninterested in Lisa in this episode. But I, yeah, like all the guys in that commercial are just, their butt cracks are showing, they're very large. They're basically all Barney. <laughs> yeah, they are. They all have Barney's body type. <laughs> they're like, if Barney were the Beagle Boys, it's a different version of Barney. <laughs> We've been watching DuckTales lately. We have been. That's, uh, that's... For work <laughs> and a little fun. Uh, yeah, no, that all that stuff is so crystallized in time of just that's how, that's what the feeling was in military service under Clinton that we were not doing enough apparently. Yeah, that whole thing about like one weekend a year or whatever or mm -hmm. one weekend a month, right? That was part of the scam. Like my high school buddies would talk about, like it's all one weekend. That's all you got to do. And it was like mm -hmm. R ROTC is that like uh, some army thing too? Um, that's so you can enter as an officer. Okay. After I had an ROTC friend who I'm actually going to talk about in just a second too. Cool. But yes, that's ROTC is a different version of the military invading our schools but uh yeah yeah it's, it's like the fun it's like for for being a military cheerleader right yes yeah but it's like well i boy scouts isn't militaristic enough for me i need to <laughs> <laughs> but also it is if you plan to go later into it this is what my friend did they were in they had, no sorry i had a friend who skipped rotc because he had a hookup from his dad that he was just going to go straight to officer uh, anyway, for or the officer training into the Navy, thanks to his dad. So he's like, I don't even have to do ROTC like these losers, which that seems like a flaw in our, uh, <laughs> our military there. Uh, uh, young John McCain. 
<laughs> I thought of John McCain a couple times this episode. I, the, uh, I think of John McCain constantly, the old maverick. Uh, he's so inspiring in his sense mm-hmm. of bipartisanship. I, uh, no, but the, the don't ask, no tell bit in the next thing where Homer signs up. Uh, in 1998, that did not feel very fresh. Now it's actually, uh, it's the trans people's turn on yeah. the, uh, to be yeah. attacked. I guess it was instituted in uh, 1994, mm-hmm. which uh, when this episode was written, it was fairly new. But uh, it's, uh, we have just stamped the ticket guy. Oh, in a I rare speaking right. role. That it's him. him. Well, so this bit here with Don't Ask, Don't Tell is there was more punishment for telling than there was for asking, which this guy's yeah. afraid of it then. But you could get punished. It's not, this isn't inaccurate. Uh, and my saying that Navy friend I was just talking about, he did tell me a story of having to execute a Don't Ask, Don't Tell thing in like 2003 or something where they found out some Navy guy under him was like gay and he admit or was in a... Actually, not he's queer, but he was in a relationship with another man, uh, but also married to another female officer in the Navy, too. And he was like, the guy was doing something to scam the military and steal stuff, but they just discharged him over gay gayness. And uh, that guy sounds pretty awesome to me. A guy in a poly relationship who stole from the Navy. That's a pretty cool guy. <laughs> uh, but yes, that's, uh, I, I've heard it executed. Now that's so in the past and it's, it's just trans people being attacked now. Yeah. Uh, wonderful. <laughs> I do like his reaction of like, I am not listening, blah, blah, blah. But that's cute. Yeah, uh, that was a, that's like a fine scene with like a joke you know yeah. what i mean i didn't and it was like it was like fit, fit with the plot and everything like that i thought that was a perfectly fine scene but what about clapper jokes oh, huh? no. those are pretty funny oh, that was crusty in 1995 <laughs> <laughs> yeah the uh yeah the clapper i will say i rewatched the original clapper commercial the first scene is a couple in bed so they are at least being specific yeah. with their reference mm-hmm. to the clapper clapper jokes were the head-on jokes of their time <laughs> yeah actually if you'd like if you listeners are too young to remember the iconic clapper commercial here we go here's the song clap on clap off for places hard to reach the clapper makes it easy plus that is not the classic commercial henry oh it's not no i'm sorry oh why did i fail it the music is different in the oh i'm sorry (laughs) it's clap on clap off the clapper all right clap on clap off clap on clap off that might come at the end of the commercial. That's some messed up remix. It's not uh, my childhood. I'm sorry. <laughs> but what is more hacky, a clapper joke or I fallen and I can't get up joke? I think fallen. I think yeah. where's the beef? I think where's the beef was a pretty bad one around that time. <laughs> I, I think the I mean I think by ninety eight where's the beef would come back around again is like uh, <laughs> as as a fun reference comedically an old woman falling down is the better premise. <laughs> uh, well, now clapper technology has improved so much that the Amazon can just listen to you and share with the government. Like, that's not <laughs> oh, you have one of those? Yeah, we do. They're listening to us right now. But oh, uh, boy, look, I my, can't. I I had one. I can't do it anymore. I had to unplug it. It feels wrong. It feels wrong. We put a boom mic in our houses to listen to us for the Amazon. <laughs> company it's like odd <laughs> it's an odd choice to it's it's like if winston smith had bought the tv <laughs> that watches him if i maybe hack and make a 1984 reference about our current day they all decide they're going to join up together in this next clip well guys i won't be seeing you for a while where are you going i've joined the naval reserve well i'm not going to let anything happen to my best friend i'm joining too <laughs> Well, I'm not going to let anything happen to my two best customers. I'm joining too. And although my religion strictly forbids military service, what the hey, I'm in too. Gee, thanks, guys. 
this is just like the deer hunter. The deer hunter? Uh, uh that reminds me. Did he move? Did I'm sorry, guys. We're shutting down for a while. Sorry. I think you could have a deer hunter parody. What I don't like about the setup is just like. <laughs> This reminds me of the deer hunter. The deer hunter, and then like here's our parody. Like two two characters said the name of the movie, yeah. and then they open the door and the parodies. There's like there could have been a more graceful way to go into that. I like the idea of that happening yeah. in his back room, but that just is like Family Guy style laziness of yeah. saying it twice. Yes. Yeah. Well, actually, it's not even like it is like yeah, the deer hunter. Hey, remember that time we were in the deer hunter? I feel like, <laughs> like they would even like not even do that obvious. Yeah, or like Peter uh, have to go down to the basement to get like a can of something, and the deer hunter scene would be happening maybe. right it would just be unrelated yeah. yeah uh you know because of these jokes i did watch the deer hunter around this time as a kid and i it seemed like a fine great movie uh though i completely reconsidered that movie after reading that book uh, easy rider raising bulls yeah because they bring up the like no it's an insanely racist movie that turns every vietnamese person into a like a creature like they're <laughs> they're all monsters which is a weird ass thing to do to the people we fucking right. invade and bombed. Right. Yeah, uh, the people having like a civil war that we uh, <laughs> decided to join up in and fuck them up. That's the problem with the deer hunter. Recontextualizes it to say like, well, it's actually a thing that happened to us. Like, no, mm-hmm. we happened to them. But that's that's the kind of bullshit that makes a John McCain possible. Like that. Ugh, I hate that. I hate it. it actually. <laughs> uh, Th- though in this uh, in that clip too, there was I thought clever bad writing in that they recognize that they don't want Homer to be alone on the sub. They want other yeah. recognizable characters there, so they intentionally write a scene that makes no sense why the <laughs> three of them would join, including Apu, directly highlighting why him as a Hindu would never join in armed services. Yeah, he's like, but I'm gonna be there. They make a lot of they do a lot of work to show you Apu will be there, but Henry, you're pointing out later in the show he only appears for one joke. I think one- they had. They had bigger plans for a poo on the submarine. I think so, yes. I swear to God, all of this thus far, like the whole episode, if you want to do the episode with all the Simpsons characters on like a submarine, why don't you just have it be like Homer to Bart? Like there was a time when we all were in the army together. You know what I mean? Like, why is this not like a flashback? Why have we spent like 15 minutes of the episode now, like getting all the pieces in place so that all the Simpsons characters can like join the Navy? It's it's bizarre. (laughs) Bizarre. You know what that is? That is a time saver to just say. But then again, if you're saving time, this episode actually needs more filler. So that's, that would be against (laughs) the, um, the, uh, but yeah, so they, Homer signs up. That's where Lisa says uh, she shits all over the military industrial complex, which I do like that guy. Yeah, I do too. But it's like, but again, I was like, in the early scene where Lisa's like, maybe I would be proud of you. I was like, that's not Lisa. And then this scene, she is Lisa. And I'm like, so why'd you have that other line? Oh, well, whatever. Because yeah. no, because who cares? That's, uh, <laughs> yeah, who cares, I guess, yeah. is the answer. Who gives a shit? Yeah. <laughs> I do like Homer's Homer's bad dad line of like, but only if you're good, even if you're not. That's <laughs> yeah. a good. I also like his, I also like him getting fooled by Bart saying that uh, Flanders brought home military sh- like uh, missile yeah. uh, casings. Yeah. Uh, and then they go off to basic training, which on the commentary, they are sometimes negative about this episode too. It's just Gina Reese on the commentary. And they bring up how like everybody loves these 
these army movies that have basic training in them, but no one remembers anything that happens after the basic training in like That's Stripes true. or Private Benjamin huh. or Full Metal Jacket. Everybody, once basic training is over, your mind thinks, well, the film is over and you forget yeah. everything that happens after. I, I think I watched Stripes for the first time maybe five years ago. I didn't know there was more movie after <laughs> that basic training and it's not very good. No, no, it's uh, it really kind of falls apart after that. I believe they invade Russia in that too, just like Homer does, actually. <laughs> or a Russian style place where like Count Floyd is playing a Russian. That's right. In it. That's yeah. right. Uh, uh, sorry, that actor's name is Joe Flaherty. Thank you. Yeah. Thanks. Also, when they go to basic training, it's like they have a full metal jacket head shaving scene, but they also have an officer and a gentleman drill sergeant type thing. Yeah. It's like, again, it's like you're going to do all this Crimson Tide stuff. You don't have to do everything as a right. film reference. Is Homer getting in bed with Marge from an officer and a gentleman? Uh, it's actually, be from it's something. from the Marines commercial. The few that, like, we're looking for a few good men. It's all the posing. Remember the commercial of, like, it's a guy. I didn't collect it because it's all visual. visual yeah it is a sword being crafted and saying like the sword is awesome and then they give the sword to the marine guy he puts it in the sheath then it shows his hand move in the specific way a marine does and then putting the sword up to his ear uh, okay and all that like mm. that was the it was like 1993 military okay propaganda. i don't recall that i remember like maybe around 9 11 there was a military ad where it's like you're fighting a dragon <laughs> but you're yes. actually in the army yeah it's a uh, similar in spirit but yeah but the posing is actually from a marine's commercial which homer's okay. in the navy yeah. they shouldn't do marines anyway yes as homer gets his training i do like him doing a bad colombo impression I think that's, that's good funny. he says he does a fair yeah even he points out it's, it's fair well, let's judge in this next clip here tuck in that shirt shine those shoes mister oh for the love of uh a seagull took my sailor hat all right simpson i don't like you and you don't like me i like you um, all right. You like me, but I don't like you. Maybe you would like me if you got to know me. What, are you a comedian? Well, I'm no Margaret Cho, but <laughs> I do a pretty fair Columbo impression. Uh, one more thing. <clears throat> I should get a glass of water. <sighs> So uh, a slam on Margaret Cho there. I like that joke, actually. Yeah. Like that yeah. Homer's a Margaret Cho fan. It's <laughs> yeah. funny because she had a show on ABC the same time uh, Algina Mike Reese did. Oh, that's right. All-American yes. Girl. Yeah. I watched all of it. I just like that it's Homer could say any stand-up and that he's... I feel like it's a joke that Homer is hip enough to know who Margaret Cho is. Like, not saying that whether they find her funny or not, but uh, just <laughs> that they that he knows her of existence. I like Dan Castellaneta, who is good at impressions, playing Homer bad at an impression. Right. That's even, funny. Even doing the eye thing is, was nice. <laughs> Another continuity good thing, continuity checkmark from Henry here. <laughs> he is wearing the foam dome that yeah. was the product in Saturdays of Thunder that he owned for right. season three. So... Hmm. They shave off his head, full metal jacket style. I do like the dot in design. It feels like the dots on Homer's head from the stubble are where his hair on the back would connect. I yeah. found that funny. I like <laughs> that actually. I like buzz cut Homer where he just has the. I guess where his hair goes in and out. I guess his hair, like it, from looking at that, it's almost like it's like thread or something like that. Yeah, it's like yeah. in and out of his head. Sometimes they say he has only three hairs. Like he said, may my head be plucked of all but. Three 
three hairs, which would imply that his the thing on the back of his head is one hair. And they've done that joke before, but it's like I always read it as just a Jason Alexander style collection right. of hair at the back. And yeah, Homer just walks away, which I feel like that's a failure by his drill instructor to just <laughs> let him walk away like that. And then Homer kills a bunch of people. He kills a lot of people in this episode. He really does. <laughs> he, yeah. he fails to tie up that uh, that ship, which you would assume would cause a dishonorable discharge right there. But then again, John McCain crashed a lot of planes. So, you know, <laughs> who's to say? Uh, <laughs> And you even hear the screams of the people as it falls over the water. true. It was, it was the USS New Jersey, which I think is another uh, uh, classic New Jersey slam. Nice slam on From Jersey, those New York yeah. elites in L.A. <laughs> <laughs> I also think it's really weird that they go to commercial on the World War One hats falling on people. I was like, eh, it's not your strongest joke to go to commercial on. It's an okay joke. I wish they would have cut the joke uh, before the hats fall. Because mm. the hats fall, they don't hurt anybody. They just yeah. The people just go, uh-oh, and that's it. <laughs> I like the idea of them throwing their like spiky hats in the air. Then they let you think about what that yeah. will mean when it flies up. Right. I actually, uh, I was watching this uh, uh, episode on a service that would that needed some buffering. And I'll tell you what, at that scene where they threw up the hats, it like needed to buffer right at that moment. <laughs> and so I waited with anticipation to see the funny thing of them all getting spiked. But it does really weirdly like cut to black and then let, just let you hear them all yell. <laughs> uh, and then we come back to commercial. We have a vi- rather short B story here. Yeah. But- Earrings on boy jokes also felt kind of clunky, passe in 1998. Yeah, too, there's I no think. real twist on it either. Mm. Just uh, I'm sure there was a Cosby show. I'm, I know for a fact there was a Cosby show episode about uh, Theo getting an earring. We don't talk about that. Uh, it was a show that existed. I'm sorry, yes. but uh, <laughs> were any of us earring havers? I was at one point in my uh, life. Oh, really? Yes. No, I never. I never had the guts to wear one. It wasn't my style. I still have the holes in my head for it, uh. but I think it was just. I mean, it was conformist rebellion, as Lisa said, because yeah. <laughs> I was in Catholic school where you had to tuck in your shirt, have a haircut, and not have your ears pierced. So the second I graduated, I untucked my shirt, grew my hair out, and pierced my ear. <laughs> so there you have it. Yeah, you I never that. had a pierced. I never had a pierced ear, but I got no problem with it. <laughs> I, I don't know that I, you know, uh, you know, Bart looked good with the earring, I think. I also am glad they resisted the jo- any joke about the gay ear being pierced right. on. Mm, right. They could have done that with, like, you know, Milhouse having his ear pierced on the right side, which is, as we deconstructed in Lisa's Rival episode, it's oh, right. the right side that's gay and yeah. the left isn't, though... Mm. That was the locker room rule at the time, anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, if, it, it makes you gay, actually, to put yeah. it on the wrong. <laughs> the second you do, you're like, I need cock. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I do like the gag of, you know, we're talking about passe jokes. They were ahead of their time on best friend thinks mom is hot jokes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> These uh yeah, now this that's is pre this is pre-American pie. So yeah, yeah, this is this is this is before the advent even of the word MILF. Uh, yeah, that's true. Yeah. I do like Milf screaming, I think she's high. <laughs> he can't hold it in. <laughs> yeah. He's like he's th- he thinks about it all the time. I like I like that gag. But also as we're talking about things being passe, they do a joke about how old the fuck show is and how passe they've become 21 years ago yes yeah but let's all sing along to the michael jackson written hit the bart man hey bart check out my new earring pretty cool huh millhouse my mom wears earrings do you think she's cool no i think she's hot sorry it just slipped out Cool, check this out. Everybody, if you can, do the Bartman. Uh, check your body, turn it out. If you can, can't, uh, do the Bartman, yeah. That is so 1991. <laughs>
That's good caddy Ralph. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Which, again, we've been saying, when you're watching this episode, you can say many times, that's so 1991 about a lot of jokes in here. And he was doing the Bartman, although that episode, well, that video. Well, the hip thrust is not in the, I don't I know. I guess so. But I was going to point out in that song, they don't actually tell you how to do the Bartman. <laughs> shake your right. body is basically but, all yeah, the instructions they give you. Shake your body back and forth from side to side. Yeah. Mm, that's yeah. it. <laughs> well, <laughs> that's you, most dances. Yeah, it's very open of saying, like, shake your body in tune with the music, which is like, anybody can do that. Yeah, I mean, like, that's what just all that's that could literally be a description <laughs> of dancing, just of dancing in general. Uh, doing the Mario had more instructions than yeah. doing the Bartman. Yeah, and the Macarena obviously is is just solely an instructional song. And I appreciate that. But then it also goes to Milhouse getting permission to have his earring, which does feel like Gene and Reese in the '90s fell into a bit of PC culture out of control type jokes, which mm. that feels he still does. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. Yep. Uh, and the. And which, you know, 30 years later, even better. But the, this <laughs> this gag here about like, oh, well, you're not allowed to unless you're of gypsy abstra- abstraction. And then like, wow, they even have a rule in the school book about being a vampire. How PC can you get? That's that's how I read that gag. I do like that vampires exist in this world, though, and that's Skinner's funny, aware yeah. of it. I do like that. <laughs> uh, though, I'll say it later, but this should be treated as canonical as the Mary Poppins episode. Like this, for, for reasons that come later in here. Um, sure. <laughs> But yes, then Homer is about to fuck Marge very happily. That's I like when they have a good sex life. I do like that. <laughs> uh, but that's the that's the Marine parody commercial. Okay. Up, uh, 1993, we're looking for a few. Like, the few that proud of the Marines, that's better propaganda than, like, we're looking for a few good men. That's That was the <laughs> thing in that commercial. They then head to the Navy vet's place, and we get stories about... This also feels like a very conservative string of hating on Vietnam vets and thinking they suck. <laughs> yeah, the... Uh, Return of the Veterans of Unpopular Wars. Yes, Hall, yeah, two yeah. story minimum. Yeah, and then uh, and then Gene and Reese also love their Kennedy gags. They really enjoy that. Uh, the Ickben I Berliner. They they even on the commentary they talk about how like Grandpa has been in every in World War Two was in every part of the service that was undercover and kissed Hitler. Like he did all these things. But you should just not believe any story Abe tells. That's that's the real truth there. Um, and then we get our first of two dead guest stars in this episode, which uh, means. It's time to play that old death jingle. Ooh. <laughs> death stalks you at every turn. Ah, there it is, death. Bob Denver. Gilligan himself in one, this yeah. episode. One of the good Bobs, like me. <laughs> uh, from, from what I read about him and learned about him, he was pretty cool. Was he, wasn't he? he a big stoner? Wasn't he was. Wasn't revealed after his death? Yeah, yeah. yeah. But uh, yes, he did play Gilligan, and I watched all of Gilligan's Island several mm-hmm. times as a kid, and I understood all the stand-up comedy jokes <laughs> about Gilligan's Island in the late 80s, early 90s. <laughs> Around when this episode airs, when I learned that uh, how the Gilligan's Island group, like, uh, like most people who started things then, Got really fucked out of residuals and didn't make one dollar off of reruns, which is the only way Gilligan's Island made money. So that's also why he would probably keep dressing up as Gilligan after he would probably not want to because he had he wasn't getting that residual money. When I went to when I went to elementary school, the like piano player for um, all the like school plays was this guy George Wiley who did the theme song to Gilligan's Island. Whoa! Uh, so I I mean I I was I mean I actually do think he probably made a shit ton of money from that. I was gonna like make a joke. 
talks about how he also <laughs> like was like working for. But I actually think even back then, I, I, he probably made more money on residuals from the theme song than the actors did for appearing on the show. One, I would one thousand percent bet that. Yeah, the song songwriting rights were seemed to be figured out then. I only base that on the anecdotal story of Johnny Carson wanting songwriting rights on the Tonight Show theme, right? So he could keep making money. So if he was thinking about that back then, then you feel like the Gilligan's guy would be getting the money for that, right? Too. Yeah, they all knew that. Like that's the like that's where the money is at. The is sweetest that, plum is crusty. Lori wrote the words to the theme song of uh, Two and a Half Men. What? I didn't yes, know that. He does. And you know what? Do you remember Play, what that men, men, what those words are? Men, men, manly men. Is that yes. basically he it? wrote the lyrics to that, and so now he gets uh, part of the residuals for the uh, theme song to Two and a Half Men. Quite a scam. What a great band. <laughs> wow, that's. Uh, Though he wrote the Ninja Turtles theme song, so which is also just Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. There's a yeah, few. There's a few more lyrics. Like they're like, "What do you think?" And he just delivers the title of the show, like <laughs> copy pasted like thirty times. <laughs> well, I didn't. I did not know he did that for Two and a Half Men, though. Why isn't there enough money at some points, Lori? Never, never enough. But never with, enough. Without uh, Bob Denver, we would not have Shaggy from Scooby Doo because he played Maynard G. Krebs on the Many Lives of Dobie Gillis. What was uh, that again? Loves Many, Many Loves. loves. I was thinking of Garfield, like I always am. <laughs> but uh, yes, uh, uh, Shaggy, based on Energy Krebs, Bob Denver. Bob Denver yeah. was a he was a funny actor. He was really good yeah. at the stuff he had to do. I I think Gene and Reese learned to want. They first worked with him on the season two episode of Alf that was a Gilligan reunion of all the not dead people in '87. So mm. uh, and yeah, he uh, Bob Denver no longer with us though. Yeah, but we can still hear him in audio form <laughs> right now. And another thing. When people come up to me and say, hey, little buddy, and hit me over the head with a hat, that's not funny. That hurts. <laughs> Stop laughing at me. You know, Marge, joining the reserves was the best thing I ever did. I feel good about myself, I'm helping my country, and later I'm going to get Gilligan's autograph. I'm so proud of you, homie. Then I'll whomp him with my hat. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently this uh, USO show that Bob Denver does is just him complaining about how he's treated. <laughs> because it cuts to him and he says, and another thing. <laughs> <laughs> well, the joke, yeah, uh, well, the joke too is that they get the, in the reserves, they get the worst yeah. people. So Bob Denver is also participating in a joke about how he sucks and would be a bad person to book. And he's there with Cindy Williams, who is uh, Shirley on the Vernon Shirley. Ah. Yeah. So the other show is Bob Hope so and Cindy she's, Crawford. She's dead too, isn't is she? Is she dead? Uh, I thought they're both. Uh, when Penny, uh, Penny Marshall died, dead. I thought that also that people were talking about how they're like reunited in heaven now. You know what? Well, I, don't, I don't think she is. They don't have like oh, a, no. they don't have like a life tether to the, the yeah. So uh, <laughs> no, uh, she's still alive. 71. Oh, good. Yes. All right. Then you know what? I'm going to play our anti-death jingle <laughs> to protect Cindy Williams here. <laughs> <laughs> Buzzards, I ain't dead yet. Then Bart goes to get his ears pierced, and on the commentary, they are, I think, rightly proud that they were doing Starbucks jokes before a lot of people were doing them. Especially in 1995, when this joke was written. Jack, uh, where did you grow up? I, I don't remember. I grew up uh, here in L.A. I okay, that's what the, I thought. Valley. So uh, Starbucks were there basically very, very early in your in your life, right? I don't think I remember a time when Starbucks didn't exist. Well, okay. It, like like the internet, I'm like, it may it may have not been there for some times in my life, but I was not cognizant. Interesting, yeah. So uh, the first Starbucks that opened up in my town was actually inside of a Barnes & Noble. It was like the <laughs> Trojan horse. <laughs> and uh, that was 96, so I was only aware of Starbucks 96, but I didn't yeah. know it was a big deal until show started talking about it. And I'm stealing this comment from Amber Lee Frost from um, Chapel Trap House where they're 
there are so many people who uh, they're kind of right when they're like Starbucks they burn their beans their coffee's not so great Amber pointed out on a podcast once like they brought good coffee to places that didn't know <laughs> coffee could be good and we should respect them for that uh, not Howard Schultz of course but no, no. I didn't know I enjoyed coffee until Starbucks entered my life like I can drink this it's I mean <laughs> have you it's not tried... a gray mess that is, comes from a brick have you tried the parents uh, have you tried the coffee your parents drink like Maxwell House and Folgers it tastes mm. like like it was strained through a mummy it tastes like shit <laughs> compared to Starbucks so yes uh, we can at least credit Starbucks for that I mean they raise the bar of American yeah. coffee sure yeah in my area of Orange Park Florida where I was I spent 10 to th- 25 I didn't see a Starbucks I feel like until like 2002 or 2003 and when they showed up I uh, my reaction was like oh the thing from TV that everybody jokes about I guess we're finally getting them here I remember working at a, this, this will end soon by the way this Starbucks chef I remember in 2007 <laughs> a year after this uh, sorry a decade after this episode I was working a shitty terrible temping job in the basement of a bank with just miserable people <laughs> And instead of just like going up to the convenience store and buying lottery tickets and scratching them off at my desk during my lunch break, like everybody else, I was like, I'm going to go out for lunch. So I, I went out on the way back. I got a Starbucks at the drive-thru. I brought back Starbucks. They're like, oh, Mr. Big Shot with the Starbucks. Just like, I just paid two bucks for a black coffee. Uh, yeah, I think Star, I mean, Hollywood can't exist without Starbucks. Now, the one, the joke about it being everywhere, when I went to Seattle for the first time, I was like, oh, that's not a joke. It is yeah, every yeah. single thing. And my, my yeah. mom gets me Starbucks gift cards like all the time uh, <laughs> because I live in California. Mm. <laughs> oh, sorry. Jack. Yeah, I mean, they're every fucking where here too. And that, I remember that being the case like since I was, well, like since I was a, a kid. Now, I think, uh, well, and if it's not Starbucks, it's just another thing that is Starbucks, like Pete's right. Coffee or something. Like Pete's or one <laughs> the ones that's owned by the Nazis that own Krispy Kreme or something. Oh, yeah. <laughs> or Michael Avenatti. Michael Avenatti owned Tully's for a little while. What? That, uh, yeah, wow, that was I like in know. all the, like, he owned Tully's and he, like, stopped paying taxes on all the employees, like, uh, withheld taxes and just kept it for himself. But yeah, wow. Michael Avenatti owned Tully's for for a while. I did not know that, man. I, I've not been that shocked since learning that Steve Bannon owns a piece of Seinfeld. For some reason, Tully, <laughs> Tully's is all over Japan more than Starbucks really? is. I don't know yeah. why. At least in Tokyo. Yeah, I, I, that, it was in one of those indictments. He, he bought Tully's and then wow. stopped paying the taxes. <laughs> when Bart comes back with his ear pierced with a cup of coffee as the turned it turned into a starbucks as his ears were being pierced which uh, i like that that's clever but uh, then when he gets home that's when lisa has her uh, again very good pronouncement and just like go oh, uh, in a conformist sort of way it's very rebellious like I, I like that and i also like that homer starts talking about how he's a disgrace to the proud naval tra- tradition of his family when bart goes to school everybody's got their ear pierced now i do believe when i was in elementary school up to 1994 and even in middle school like you couldn't and boys couldn't have pierced ears like it was against the rule though i grew up in a, a rather conservative yeah. suburb of florida when people get their ears pierced young people at least in the 90s i felt like it was very gendered in which the girls of course would have like sparkly earrings or dangly earrings and the boys would always have the standard i'm not gay like little ring <laughs> little hoop or eventually in the in the Nines. late 90s the, the plugs like oh, the, the yeah. gauges or the whatever gauges. Uh, I don't mm. care for those, by the way, but uh, <laughs> you can do that to yourself if you want. I look, hey, whatever you want to do with those earlobes, fine by me. Yeah, uh, but- I, yeah, I, I don't give a shit what anyone does with their ears. To be honest with you, cut them off. <laughs> <laughs> Who needs them? Honestly, like yeah. It. Do a fucking Van Gogh. That he, <laughs> he was cool. You could hear stuff with just the holes in your head, like uh, I think. <laughs> <laughs> well, that is the you know what we just decided. 
found the next level of gauges after that. Of cutting off your ears. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Ralph saying he has two owies with his earring. And also there's no real end to Bart's. That should make him go like, oh, I don't want an earring after he sees everybody has one. But there's kind of no follow-up to that. He's still happy to have his earring. Yeah. And then we get uh, a pre-George W. Bush nuclear gag. You know, the... friend of the show who's done the uh, animate shots and he actually he uh, from citations needed podcast a great podcast he talks about how like he grew up in texas and it was just it was an accepted he still says it that way and he's like it's not a mispronunciation it's a different pronunciation he's yeah like, it's just regional it's regional yeah. yeah i think linguists would even say that and yeah. i mean that was just like the one gotcha for george hw sorry george w bush it's like yeah. there are there are bigger fish to fry than him saying a word wrong <laughs> he's stupid he said the word wrong that's why <laughs> he's bad and dumb it was the orange man tiny hands of its time <laughs> this uh as we're recording this it's about a month ago this time but that that article that jack you've on uh, jack am interviewed sure. the writer of it that was really great mike miles clee miles clee miles clee is our i'm just gonna cut they that. spell and pronounce their names differently <laughs> <laughs> miles yeah. damn now i have to keep it in because that was a funny reference uh, <laughs> i'm right. sorry anyway yeah his uh his article about the stagnation at late night yeah stand a, a comedy which you're an expert in as well like that the nuclear thing just made me think back to it too of just like how also that the light mockery of w i think is partially to blame for why the fucking war criminals of the bush administration are just on right. tv now and it well uh, he's cute he's cute and funny the way that uh the, you know he's Michelle like the, obama the hugged him president or whatever yeah I, fu- I i remember today that uh there was an hour-long like movie where johnny depp played trump and we all forgot about it yeah 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 that- yeah, the Funny or Die movie. That yeah. was like a big Funny or Die thing. By the way, the big flaw with that, I think, is that like they're in the middle of a presidential, you know, primary. Like the news is moving so fast every single day. Your thing is what you're going to do is double down on a big, huge, long form piece of content that will exist for one day. Uh, and that's <laughs> what you're going to make your your website's like whole prerogative for, you know, months at that point. Well, hey, the proof is in the pudding with how successful <laughs> it still is today. You got him. <laughs> Uh, uh, but yeah, so Homer Homer gets assigned to a nuclear sub, which I would think after he destroyed the USS New Jersey, he probably shouldn't be put on there. But that yeah. once he uh, gets assigned well, to, he a, also got promoted because of like what he was asking questions or something like that, or making yeah. jokes or something. Yeah, yeah. that uh, well, that's also because Captain Tennille will meet in a sec. He's insane. Like that's that's also right. why. Sure. And then this is once the rain starts. This is the first Crimson Tide scene of the episode because so the plot of Crimson Tide actually feels more relevant today because it's about the reigniting of Russia versus America and a Putin-style figure takes over Russia in the plot of it and nuclear war might begin at any second. That's the whole argument on the boat that Gene Hackman got half a transmission and he thinks it means we're at war now, launch our fucking nukes. And Denzel says it could mean we're not at war now and don't launch the nukes. And that's the whole argument, which is basically just the uh, uber-heightening of an argument with your dad about like how to fix the plumbing or something <laughs> that's that's how i read it and i actually uh, it's a fun it's a i think it's a good movie with a really good cast of like james gandolfini Viggo mortensen yeah denzel gene hackman like it's a it's it's not a bad film to watch it with your father on father's day it's a mm-hmm. it's a fu- but aborting the sub happens in the rain and i did find out though that they didn't get navy backing for uh like free subs and stuff to film it because the navy didn't like that it was about a mutiny on a sub because they're like uh, oh this will make people think it could happen wow. so instead they 
had to like go to the French military and get one of their subs to film stuff. So despite it being propaganda for the Navy and only being nice to the Navy, the Navy actually didn't even give them money for it. Unlike Top Gun, which Bruckheimer had produced 10 years previous. Uh, and then we also have a very family guy moment of remember Rock'em Sock'em robots. There's this really brought back thought balloons into Simpsons for sure. The can't we all just get along thing was from the LA riots. Yeah. Yeah. Also, um, right. I, they Again, shouldn't stop it. Don't do that anymore. <laughs> maybe don't do that joke anymore. No. Uh, yeah. I do like Homer's line of, well, when I was 10, I got Mayor's Pierce, but that was totally different. That's I like that dad logic there. That's funny. It's very much like his I like stories speech. <laughs> Uh, but yes, time time to play the death jingle for a second oh, time. Man. I think a record second time. This episode's this episode. a real graveyard. Uh, but yes, for our second guest of the episode. Death stalks you at every turn. Ah, there it is, death. Broad Steiger died in 2002. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, he. I guess he's most famous for On the Waterfront, where he plays Marlon Brando's brother, or he's, I believe, the guy who isn't Sidney Poitier in The Heat of the Night. He played a lot of, like, racist strongmen. That was kind of his, uh, the box he got put into. And uh, he's a real World War II vet, too, so he kind of brings a real sense of the military to his roles, which makes him good for casting in this. Uh, I mean, he kind of feels like the previous generation's Michael Ironside, I think. Captain Tennille is not a funny joke. Uh, we talked before about it. I'm glad they only say his name once. Yeah, at least they gave right. him a name. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Some and, guest uh, characters don't get names. Very family guy. Very family guy. Yeah, yeah. But they would have they would have belabored it a little bit more. I think Ca- uh, he would have sung a Captain and Tennille song. Yeah, in case you don't know, and let's not play it because it sucks. Uh, Love no. will keep us together. Yeah. <laughs> they sung that song, Captain <laughs> and Tennille. Right. It's a. Fa- I mean, maybe honestly, maybe they wanted to put it in this episode, but they're like, you have the budget for the village people or Captain and Tennille. Which are you going to spend it on? We gotta take village people. Got to. <laughs> uh, but yes, well, let, let's hear old Rod in uh, in his premiere. Attention on deck. Captain Tennille wishes to address you. <clears throat> I'm a man of few words. Any question? <laughs> uh, is the poop deck really what I think it is? <laughs> I like the cut of your jib. What's a jib? Huh? <laughs> Promote that man. The Navy has a fine sense of tradition. Whenever an American vessel leaves port, the crew sings this ancient sea chanty. A one, a two, a three, a four. And we have in the Navy. <sighs> yes. Yes. Yeah. Uh, one thing before we start groaning, uh, that little sting <laughs> that you heard, that's not Simpsons-like. It's a, it's a take on the Hans Zimmer theme ah, from Crimson yes. Tide. It's very, it's what Kojima would take off <laughs> to make all the Metal Gear music. Like Hans zimmer stuff is very yeah. much that that sort of militaristic. In 95, that was very novel, the Hans Zimmer themes. But it was before he wrote every music for films now that what's a jib line is more clever than i thought because that is a naval term about a sale a jib is part of a sale so homer saying what's a jib is him failing to know one of the most basic naval terms (laughs) there is so it's a little more clever than just him being stupid it's a nice exaggeration also the way he likes homer like i like you you've got spunk when homer is just incompetent and gets everything wrong and is clearly not fit for this job so in the film this the posing is actually very similar to Crimson Tide too. Really? Okay. There's a scene of 
Gene Hackman is having a conversation with Denzel, which they uh, they he's actually not that friendly to Denzel Washington's character in the film. But basically, Homer and and Rod Steiger are in the same position as Gene Hackman and Denzel in that scene, and they're talking about like, oh, I, the, we're going to war. Look at the surface one last time, and they're smoking cigars together. And even the scene where Gene Hackman Gene Hackman throws his cigar into the ocean the same way Rod oh, Steiger wow, does okay. it too. And uh, these the, are all just references we do every day about comes to tide <laughs> and uh, though in the movie he doesn't say we sing a song and then they sing a song together but when the sub goes underwater it starts to play the real naval hymn eternal father strong to save i was like uh, to all the sailors mm. in the sea it's the you know so it's, not anchors away or in the navy no no it's it's a very like somber song about how how brave our naval men are not uh, not in the Navy. An incredibly tired, lame song to use in 1998. I hate it. Yeah. I hate this scene actually <laughs> they, quite a lot. They kill well. They kill the village people. Yeah. The only the only thing I think that that makes it a little better is that like there's a shot of their various paraphernalia surfacing as if they're yeah. dead at the bottom of the ocean. With Smithers, Smithers no, they is also, dead. They also miscolor the black guy. The black oh really? Village people. The cop is an African American, uh, and they make him yellow know. in this. Like so. Fuck, man, that's erasure on top of Hackery. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, you sure know a lot about the village people, Henry. <laughs> no. well, uh, it's It was just, in 98, it was hack. Like, Wayne's World 2 did a village people gag right. in, like, 94, and it was kind of getting old then. And, and then I really think, like, the nadir joke-wise for me in this episode is Smithers. Also, when there's, like, there's already five gay panic jokes in this episode. Like, it's it's a lot. Right. Oh, yeah, we did miss uh, Barney pinning up a picture of Homer. Yeah. <laughs> In a swimsuit. Yes, exactly. It's just like, and then to have Smithers there, which like, they usually treat Smithers' gayness more respectfully than this when they joke about it. Instead right. of just like, well, who would be dancing with the fag group? Oh, the, it would be Smithers. <laughs> they like were the, just- I they, can say that I'm gay. It's true. Listeners. They just won an Emmy for Homer's phobia. Yes. And then they have a village right. people joke. <sighs> right. Where By the way, the, uh, I just looked it up and In the Navy came out in 1979. So this is now a uh, nearly full 20 years after the, <laughs> yes. the song actually was released. Uh, I mean, well, they they actually even talk about on the commentary. Reese says that he tried to use YMCA in his Queer Duck movie like five years after, no, eight years after this episode. And that's when the Villa people were like, we're not a gay band anymore. We don't license it for this. We're they a kid's said, band. Yeah, we're, we're, we're a children's band. Like, they might be giants or Weezer. Yeah. Right. <laughs> uh, but yes, in your professional writing opinion, Jack, using a yeah. using an, a village people song, how how funny is that? I just am like, you know, it, it feels very, you know, Xer. It feels very like Gen Xer kind of boomery kind of humor to me. It's never like been my thing. It's like I don't actually find anything funny about there having been a gay band. You know what I mean? It kind of feels like the thing here is that like it's a. Uh, it's like funny or novel that like gay people are singers kind of <laughs> and like flamboyant. And I'm like, I don't know. In the world I grew up in, um, there have been a lot of flamboyant and some gay singers. It's not it's not a novelty to me. They're not the only one. You know what I mean? Yeah. I'm sure there are historical reasons for this stereotype, but gayness is associated with the Navy a lot and not just because yeah. of the village people. I don't know yeah. what, what went into well, that. Well, they're or, semen and they're yeah. all, it's a bunch of right. men But together. a bunch of men get together in a lot of contexts. And they're all fucking. That's I guess, all whoa, they, whoa. Yeah. Well, I mean, they yeah, they, I feel like they say it about the Army too, but I actually just do, I do think that probably just the semen thing and, yeah. the, little, and like the outfits, uh, uh, I don't know. Like, well, But they used to say it about the Army and all of it. Yeah. yeah. Uh, 
Well, the, I mean, the, the connecting of dots is so easy there, too. Of just like, you already have the joke of all these men together. They're away from women. I guess they're on the sea in an, an enclosed space. Yeah, so you have the seamen jokes right there. And then the village people, a gay band, makes a song about the Navy, which they, right. in 79, they made up that song in the same, they did the song just like they did the YMCA song about how the YMCA is where you fuck. The Navy <laughs> right. is where you fuck. That was the statement they were making. <laughs> like, which, and yeah. <laughs> That was the working title for the song, The Navy yeah. is Where You Fuck. Yeah, that was the name of the album, right? The Places We Fuck. Which, but, all the places. Uh, and yeah, to now see that kids sing YMCA all the time is very strange to me. Also, can you still get a good meal at the YMCA? I bet you don't. I bet you don't get a free meal. <laughs> I work out at the YMCA. It's expensive. It's like 70 bucks a month. Yeah. Uh, you And you don't do whatever you feel there, do you? No, I get out as soon as I can. It's full of old men's penises. <laughs> Homer then go has a dinner with the captain and really impresses him well because the captain is insane, which at least they make that clear of like, he has nitrogen bubbles in his brain. He has lost his mind. <laughs> like that's kind of the point that Gene Hackman is like, he has to, Gene Hackman has too much power on the ship. They make a point at the end of the film that like that at the time, a submarine, a nuclear sub captain can choose to fire the missiles on their own. And that after that, the president changed, they made it so only the president can do that but yeah they have a dinner scene together too though it actually is where gene hackman starts to distrust denzel washington more where he's like mm, you have some younger person's nuance to this stuff <laughs> harvard boy i say you just blow shit up i'm simple but uh, so it's the opposite of this scene yeah every again if they're trying to make it a crimson tide reference they're going in the opposite direction but yes here's here's homer taking the con tell me young man what do you want out of life I want peace. Uh, we all want peace, but it's always just out of reach. Uh-huh. So, what's the best way to get peace? With a knife. Exactly. <laughs> Not with the olive branch, but the bayonet. Oh, Simpson. You're like the son I never had. And you're like the father I never visit. Sir, I was running a diagnostic and there was an obstruction in torpedo tube number one. I'll take care of it. Oh. What the hell? Simpson? Well, I'm gone. You're in command. Me? Him? Yes. Maybe it's the salt water in my veins or the nitrogen bubbles in my brain, but I've taken a real shine to you. And also, that's Pamela Hayden there playing the woman on the ship who doesn't have a name. This uh, That's apocryphal because the government did not allow women on naval subs until 2010. Oh, really? Wow. Okay. Mm. The, the fear was that if you're... A flub. If, if the flub. The, the understanding was in the Navy that uh, you just have all these men in this remote location for right. days or weeks at a time. You don't want several women on there. And it was right. better to let women be disenfranchised than risk what the men would do. So like TV writing. <laughs> Right. <laughs> uh, oh, come on. I thought you were going there. find out that it's one of the secret places that all the gays go to have sex. Yeah. You know what I mean? If a woman was there, they'd be able to report back. <laughs> they mess They mess it up. They just kill the whole vibe. <laughs> uh, well, actually, there's two women on this sub. Barney's yeah. mom, which I now realize from her outfit, like, she's an officer. She's a high-level person <laughs> in, the, in the Navy. And she's referenced, but this is her, like, one appearance on the show. I think so, yeah. yeah. Barney has relatives that are identical to him yeah. like his uncle and his mother are just him in like different outfits uh, but I do like uh, Dan's voice on her is uh, is funny and lazy I think, uh, <laughs> it's both 
And uh, actually, here is in the, in the very next scene, the Captain Tennille crawls into a torpedo chute and Homer kills him. Ooh, comfy. Homer, we got an enemy sub closing in fast. Uh, what do we do? Oh. 15 seconds to collision. We need a decision. Mm, what would the captain say in my spot? Don't fire the torpedoes! Fire the torpedoes! We've been hit by an officer. If they're going to fire on us, we'll respond in kind. Fire! Not me, a torpedo! So this is the first person we've truly seen Homer kill on screen. Uh, He's killed plenty of people off screen or unseen. We do see his corpse. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, that's true. He's just dead. Like, there's no... They could do a joke later. He's like, it's amazing you survived or whatever, but... He's just dead. He's like, dead, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, so this part of the plot, I mean, it's a loose parody, but I just don't understand. Like, these are war games, so why, mm. I mean, why would they take this seriously? Why would they not see it as an accident? Why do they have live ammo? I don't understand. Like, well, they don't really set up what these war games are or the stakes or what they have to do. Yeah, that's In fact, true. I don't really know what, what a war game really is in the context of submarines. Like, they're not firing paintballs at I each mean, other. based on Top Gun, it's you shoot fake missiles that just register, like, yeah. you were hit by a missile. And yet these are real explosives that go off when they fire at each other. And these aren't like other countries that are attacking the subs. They're just attacking, they think, a sub that had a mutiny. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, it just feels like kind of like they wanted to have an underwater fight scene and it didn't like fit in the plot where they were because America's not at war. You know what I mean? So uh, it just feels like kind of like a convenience. Well, I am this this torpedo fight does happen in Crimson Tide. There is a sub fight. But for that, they, they actually, the first five minutes of Crimson Tide is just a fake CNN story on how Russia got taken over by separatists. So mm. they at least explain why there is a Russian shub, sub that they are shooting at each other. Right. Uh, though I think that just feels like an attempt to spice up the action because there's enough intensity on the ship of just men arguing. But I think they're like, no, we need a re- we need some explosions in here for yeah. like trailers at least. Uh, yeah. So it seems weird that in war games the other ship fires explosions rounds with the intent to kill other people in a Navy sub. That uh, the more you deconstruct it, the crazier it sounds. Even if Homer was given the con, I would bet there are rules to take the con away from him after he kills the... I the, would hope so. <laughs> <laughs> Otherwise, the Navy the Navy needs to fix those rules if they can't. Yeah, I, that's, I'm, I'm, I, I feel very strongly about that. that the, na- <laughs> the Navy needs to close those Homer Simpson loopholes. Uh, and so Homer's the captain now. Everybody is uh, very upset at that. He Mo is his uh, basically his Chekhov here, I guess. Well, his, there is a Sulu. Yeah, there's so he can't be Sulu, so he's Chekhov. Uh, yeah, it's a little Star Trek in here too. Also, when Homer wipes the sweat from his head, that's another very Crimson Tide moment. Like at least twice in the movie, Denzel Washington or Gene Hackman takes their hat yeah. off and wipes the sweat off. Boy, they really thought Crimson Tide would stick with us, didn't they? Yeah, it's they like really remember did. the classic <laughs> sweat wiping scene from Crimson Tide. Like I, have, I mean, I'm sure it's a good movie, but it's just not. It's not a thing you they reference. They really thought like, there was going to be the people out there in the audience being like this doesn't like follow crimson tide (laughs) (laughs) i was there three years ago i know (laughs) i mean credit to milton gray and his animation team that they bothered to do those things like bothered with those specifics we come back from the commercial break and uh they're they've lost all their power or they're down to mood lighting and uh that also lets them do 
more Crimson Tide references. Some of the most memorable stuff to me now in Crimson Tide is just the lighting when yeah. they're down to just, there's some really great scenes of like Gene Hackman is pointing a gun at Vigo Mortensen's head and Vigo's face is like half red and half blue and Gene Hackman's face is all red. It's like the lighting is, it's uh, Bob, you had a term for it. Uh, modern YouTuber lighting. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I've heard uh, people call that in positive terms bisexual lighting. Yeah. But that's yeah. not my I place was, to I say. I was talking about that today on Jack AM. I never heard about this before, but bisexual lighting, I guess, is like purple, pink, and blue. I Yeah, I've seen that from the buys in my Twitter feed. They hmm. the, la- the first time I'd heard of that term was uh, in that movie uh, two years ago now, Atomic Blonde, the Charlize Theron mm. movie, where her character is bi in the film. Like she, she has a male lover and a female lover. And then in a couple scenes, she is lit in that way. And I think that led a lot of people to use that terminology of bisexual lighting. Or that's at least the first time I'd seen that from uh, the queers I follow on the Twitter. Uh, but mm. yes, Homer is the captain now, and the, it's a perfect time to take a shot at Ross from Friends. Mm-hmm. Damage report, Mr. Moe. Sonar out. Navigation out. Radio out. Enough of what's out. What's in? Ice blended mocha drinks and David Swimmer. Yes, he is handsome in an ugly sort of way. Captain, how are we supposed to get home with no equipment? Don't worry, I've been working on it. Mm, yes, uh-huh. Carry the two. All right, I can't waste any more time. People's lives are depending on me. Mr. Sulu? Make a left. Aye, aye, Captain. Setting course for Rigel 7. I mean home. <laughs> uh, uh. That's it. Left. Left. Steady as she goes. And second thought, go right. No! So looks aside, we've said it before on this podcast, but Ross from Friends should be in jail. <laughs> the Lock character is an awful person. Yeah. Yes, yeah. I, I've said this before, but look up the lawsuit about the writers of Friends and the writers room there. I think they expressed a lot of those feelings through Ross's creepiness. Uh, but, Interesting. Uh, oh, yeah. Have you not heard about this, Jack? No, I haven't read about this. I'm going to look this up. Yeah, look it up. It's, uh, it's, a fun, it's a fun story yeah. about uh, the, the locker room feel of a, of a great writer's room. I'm, I'm not a fan uh, of this. Yeah, uh, I feel like I know a little bit about this. I've never really like read that deeply about it though but i shall it was a big settlement right yeah um you know no i think they lost the case oh psh, think, never mind uh, there <laughs> yeah. uh i'm not a big fan of the sulu joke i hate to punch up simpsons jokes but i feel like it could have been funnier if uh, homer just talking to like an asian guy he calls him sulu's like my name is josh or something like that he's like got a white name that's my punch <laughs> yeah, up for 1998 I, I, I like that yeah i just it feels very criticky that he says mr sulu and he sulu is there yeah I, in critic jay sherman just is around movie parodies yeah, and characters right. are around him they're yeah. very much in that mindset where it's just like the parodies happen the characters can be there right my theory Sulu exists in simpsons <laughs> and he worked with homer <laughs> my theory is that they thought they could get george takei and then they did to, to kai that's right and wait no it's okay it's okay damn it i yeah i said it right the first time and i doubted myself they thought that they could get him and then they couldn't and so like, well we already animated it let's just let's just go with it uh, i mean it's uh you know look there's there's other things to make fun of ross for than just his looks <laughs> that, that feels a little below the belt there's a good joke about homer's bad drawings too then they invade russia which the the russian scare stuff actually feels realer now yeah. than the well sure <laughs> but that I shit was funny as hell actually i think yeah. that 
that this whole sequence was like mega funny. It's oh, like, it's actually maybe like I, I for the whole episode thought that I hadn't seen this episode before mm. until this sequence at the UN through uh, Russia. I was like, oh yeah, I guess I must have seen this episode because this is like a super funny part I remember. I see that gift sarcastically whenever people are freaking out about Russia Gate or Russian collusion. Just like mm. someone will post that gif in response. I mean, yeah. Well, in the in the DSA type forum spaces, the Lenin Frankenstein meme is used non ironically. Yeah, that's yeah, true. It's, it's like it's we want great. this. The sequence was really funny. Yeah, I I like. Well, first before that, we we do get uh, the this quick clip of the news story on Homer's treasonous acts. Well, sir, treason season started early this year as a nuclear sub was hijacked by local man Homer Simpson. Oh my God. I told him that photo would come back to haunt him. <laughs> Could Homer Simpson be a communist? His father spoke out on his behalf. My Homer is not a communist. He may be a liar, a pig, an idiot, a communist, but he is not a porn star. And they just hold on him just a little extra long, which yeah. I like that. He does a little uh, blink. They stay on him for another <laughs> blink. Again, Lisa commenting on, like, just snidely about the plot. Like, why did he take that picture? Yes, Lisa's yeah. just like a little sourpuss in this episode. Uh, I, like <laughs> I like a good file photo guy. Yeah. That's fun. And then Homer, uh, it, it, it's like doing the Cossack dance. I like a joke that implies more story to it. Like, why? Okay, why did Homer take that photo? And <laughs> what, what caused this? Abe not doing him any favors and forgetting what he's even talking about middle of his speech i like that and uh saving saving sherry but not terry it's oh, a yes. fun little that's joke good... it's like for some reason they brought her up to the stage to say she will die <laughs> that's <laughs> a really great joke yeah this stuff is some of the funniest and i think meme wise yeah have lasting impact the the rebirth of the soviet union is the most long lasting of for sure year. yeah actually here, uh, let... must crush capitalism <laughs> yes. uh, well let's give it a yeah. listen <laughs> the soviet union will be pleased to offer amnesty to your wayward vessel the Soviet Union. I thought you guys broke up. <laughs> yes, that's what we wanted you to think. <laughs> Must crush capitalism. <laughs> Children, I'll be frank. In the event of nuclear war, we can only save our best and brightest. Therefore, space in the fallout shelter will be reserved for Lisa Simpson. Martin Prince, our championship kickball team, and <laughs> Sherry, but not Terry. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good. I like that joke. Yeah, like yeah. That. No, that whole sequence yeah. is great. Well, uh, I think Jan Kirkman actually believes that part, though. About, uh, <laughs> I would widen it out. Actually, the sequence, like right before they go into the UN, that was a funny joke too. When they cut to the UN building, and it's like a, a hillbilly, like selling like oh, uh, yeah. uh, groceries side of the road and he's like over there i was like that's a very funny joke too yeah that is, that's a good joke too yeah it was more visual i, I should have included that one but oh, yeah. you know i'm not thinking you should have included it. i was just saying that that's another i wanted to point out another time when i thought the episode was funny <laughs> yeah this they get a lot of good stuff out of the UN though again uh, this is the reason i say this episode is as non-canon as sherry bobbins because right. the ussr now re-exists that's true the yeah of the simpsons <laughs> i yeah I, I guess i didn't think about the joke that much <laughs> And I overthink everything. I didn't overthink that. It's like, oh yeah, they're back. Yeah, it yeah just they exist again, and the village people are dead as well. <laughs> oh my god! Uh, I don't know. Again, like I'm like, uh, you know, make this like a dream or something. It's so easy to like not have the first like. 
15 minutes of this show being like intricately setting up how this can exist in the universe and then this fucking Soviet Union exists again. Yes, yeah. There's no American scandal about uh, the Navy attacking its own ships. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, that's also this whole Russia thing. That's not what happens in Crimson Tide. But uh, I, I've got to thank them for must crush capitalism in an, a non-ironic way. Thank you. Guys. The whole thing is really funny. Like the parade, like turning into tanks is really, really funny. All the flags unfolding. It's great. It's a funny, it's a funny idea in sequence. They have been hiding those things within their parades all these years to just get the order. It took that guy saying, oh, I thought you guys broke up. And then that's that's what that's, launches the return of the Soviet Union. Someone questioning right. it. Yeah, it's like it does like that like almost does qualify as like a family guy-ish joke, but it's like done so well and smartly that I don't want to, you know, classify it like that. <laughs> uh and uh, yeah, we go back to the ship. There's a leak leak in there, uh in the hull. Barney has a very like vaudeville gag of not knowing what water is. <laughs> <laughs> and uh yeah, he talks about the pinhole leak. So so this moment kind of isn't in Crimson Tide. There's uh, this is just the Crimson Tide report now, but the so there is a bit where the hull is leaking, and Denzel Washington has to. I don't remember his character name. He's just Denzel. Denzel tells he gives the order to like those guys aren't going to be able to be saved lock them up so they can drown because otherwise the water will spread to the entire sub and that makes everybody on the sub hate him because he chooses to kill those guys that's the only leak in the film oppositely Denzel Washington who is the Homer equivalent in this episode he does save people in a fire so it's kind of putting the fire and the leak together Hmm. from Crimson Tide and it's plotting though Homer swimming under the water to plug the leak that's feels like it's from a different movie like but it's so Poseidon adventure or something right yeah, yeah, maybe that's it. I, I do like how he has to swim. Uh, he doesn't have to swim, but he does swim. Yeah, the, the water he can just like yeah. float above the water. That's a good joke. Yeah, that's a, but that's... he still wants to go under to make it dramatic. Yeah, that's actually pretty good. Yeah, they do cheat because when he goes underwater, when he goes under uh, to the lower level, the water's at the top where the ladder is. But when he goes down, it's like. You know, you oh, can yeah. still float around, but whatever. It's a fun joke. <laughs> it's a fun joke, yeah. I didn't laugh too hard at uh, I'm with Admiral Stupid as a t-shirt. That, eh, <laughs> not that fun. But I, I do like that in Moe's dreams, as he's thinking of his cat, even then he gets angry. He just can't. He can't relax. He's, he's still that man. And then there's the only Apu joke about how much he loves his malfunctioning cigarette machine, which in 98, I feel like those were, yeah. You'd, yeah I guess you'd still find them. But I do like the, the very shrewd Apu, though. Yes, it's like, don't yeah. ever change. <laughs> Apu jokes that are about him being a like cheap guy who rips people off. That's that's better than going to the Indian category for jokes. I, right. I prefer those. And uh, but that's the only reason they have Apu there, seemingly, because that they do one joke just for that. I I mean, I guess it's to make you care more. If you're like, oh, not Apu, he's in danger. <laughs> like, no. But who's watching this worried that anybody's gonna die? Who's watching like... the Quickie Marts? <laughs> As Marge would say. Uh, who's, uh, who's sorry? Who's minding the Quickie Mart? Uh, but yes, then. Homer, Homer comes up. He calls him Mr. Mo, which, okay, so now I see that as another gay joke, as like to the Al Gina Mike Reese's generation, calling someone a Mo was. Of right. calling them a homo so right i didn't catch that until now that that could be why mo sislak is mad he's being called mr mo 
It feels also feels like a mutiny on the bounty reference because like Mr. Mm-hmm. Christian or whatever, like you call Navy guys Mister for some reason. Uh, I Crimson don't know. Tide, they're calling everybody Mister. Okay, that too, is yeah. that a Navy thing? Mister is like a Navy title. I I've, I've risen to the rank of Mister. <laughs> <laughs> it's just about respect, I guess, on the vessel. Like Mister Blank, yeah, tell Mister. I think the, I think the Navy ranks are Mister Doctor <laughs> and uh, I don't know Sir. Captain Crunch. <laughs> Captain Crunch. That's the, that's the man at the top. Uh, but yes, Homer then decides now is the time to resurface just very like shrug well i guess the stories we've only got a few minutes left so let's put the sub up again which that there's no plot reason to do that when he does it but whatever there's no plot reason that they stop trying to kill him either yep yeah <laughs> no there's no point to it but homer after pl- homer does plug the pinhole leak with the earring so give them credit that the b story connected with the a story that doesn't always happen in their plotting they they brought that together in a, you know, in a laziest way. Also, I would think the pressure of the ocean would shove that out uh, the second you tried to put it in there, but I'm no scientist. <laughs> uh, but yes, Homer surfaces back up, and this honestly felt like it could have been the end of the episode. It, as, as nonchalantly as they treated, just doing the callback to first day, that could just be the end of it. Uh, but, but here's the clip. You have 10 seconds to explain your actions before we open fire. Uh. It's my first day. <laughs> es mi dia primero. Wu gun kai chu chong gong cho. Quack, quack, quack. They left their ship. They jumped off of their ship. That's, <laughs> they can make that's it dangerous. Back. <laughs> Uh, I think, you know, Mandarin speakers out there tell me if Homer actually did uh, say... According to Algina Mike Reese, they got the actual language, which okay. they did not do in the past often, yeah. so... I like that. It's it's at least, you know, they, they go to the trouble to call somebody. I like that. Well, that, <laughs> But yeah, that's, that's pretty much the end of the episode right there, but they have to shove in the end of Crimson Tide after that. Yeah, uh, apparently that shot of the guy outside with a dog is from Crimson Tide as well. This ending is the exact ending yeah. of Crimson Tide. So, uh, if you've not seen Crimson Tide here, I'll tell you what happens at the very end there is no nuclear war denzel washington succeeds and proves gene hackman wrong gene hackman being proven wrong breaks his heart and he resigns from the military they have a naval tribunal which should be them saying to gene hackman you almost ended the world you go to jail but instead he has a friend on the tribunal who says i will accept your resignation now and we will never speak of this which uh, it's that's the happy ending of the movie <laughs> it works out for everybody <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and also yes the whole movie gene hackman has a dog like they talk in the beginning of like he is so valued by the navy that they let him bring a dog on the submarine so he has like a little jack russell terrier which he says the smartest mm. of the breeds and uh, and so when he and Denzel Washington are before the tribunal staged in the exact way the episode does it too they have an establishing shot of the tribunal at Pearl Harbor and a serviceman is walking his dog so that's why what there's a, a little weird dog. pull it's ve- it's it's an extreme specific, specific. <laughs> yeah <laughs> and same with when they walk off into the sunset together that's the last shot of Gene Hackman in the movie too of him walking away with his dog and it's I thematically i read it as them saying that era of the navy is over it's for younger men like denzel Mm. who have more nuance see they he's it's not a time for warriors anymore which funny how that was the message there too here's how the tribunal plays out in simpsons seaman simpson your actions have given the navy a black eye from which it may never recover i would throw the book at you but i've been indicted in the tailhook scandal (laughs) goodbye 
I, too, would punish you, but I'm under indictment for accepting bribes from military contractors. Um, I torpedoed a carnival cruise ship. Impersonating the First Lady! I think you're off the hook. Boy, another tailhook reference on The yeah. Simpsons. A little, a little too late again. Uh, it was a '91 thing. We talked a bit about it on Who Shot Mr. Burns Part Two that episode because mm. Smithers says he feels about as low as Madonna when she found out she missed tailhook. Yes. He got that from Pardon My Zinger, <laughs> but it was this like military U.S. Marine Corps convention or like um, a tradition of it, yeah. a meeting or a group or whatever, where an astounding amount of people were sexually assaulted, like 83 women and seven men. It's uh, it's horrible. Yeah, it's, uh, it's uh, but that's how that's how funny. Sex Sexual assault was back then. I don't think right. you'd make jokes about that anymore. But it was very much like a tail hook was a punchline. Yeah, totally. Um, but I guess this was the era when there, like, military scandals were possible. Yeah. Also, right. well, yeah. When the guy says he's indicted for taking military bribes, I'm like, that's just come business. On. I know. I mean, it's like it's like it really does like this is an interesting like time capsule episode just for like you know the attitude about the military then and now. You know what I mean? Yeah. I thought this scene was very funny, but it did you know sort of come from this idea of like the military is like laughable and no one takes it seriously <laughs> yeah and that people cared about their scandals either like right if you, like not even military but like the blackwater guys the amount of work it takes to get any of them for like murder of the war crimes they, of the genocide they would commit that should tell you how little america cares about what our military does which i i'm sorry troops if you if you're listening to this podcast i don't there's uh there's bad things bad mm-hmm. things are going on guys uh, but yeah this uh now this the joking about that then feels very different from now like i think in 2001 they never would have made these jokes never no, ever. No. Like they mm-hmm. even if they would have wanted to like the pressure you think the fox executives or the censors would have let them make fun of military service people even if they had wanted to i right i i highly doubt that yeah when you also have to like you have to if you want to critique the military you first have to say 800 times beforehand in your joke but i love the military they're the greatest i, of course I respect brave- the service members uh, <laughs> yes. who are the true heroes of our age them yeah. and the first responders uh, <laughs> but with that said i'll tell a joke about the military now <laughs> i'm attacking the institution not the people yes. exactly yes. yeah nothing but respect <laughs> but we have our dishonorable ending here just to complete our episode let's play the clip a dishonorable discharge it's the best we could have hoped for you can't spell dishonorable without honorable i think you're a hero dad well i couldn't have done it without bart boy well, I guess I was wrong about that earring. It saved us all. Then can I get a tattoo that says, bite me? You never know when it might come in handy. I don't think so, son. A king cobra? No. Weapons grade plutonium? Ask your mother. Knockout drops? No. Ninja Death Stars? Maybe for Christmas. That ending also feels like a like season one episode ending. Yeah, uh, the like characters. The... Wa- actually, the end of the uh, Homer's Odyssey. No, the um, the Happy Family one. Like them walking away from Marvin Monroe. Yeah, that's right. Like walking down the street, like having a back and forth. Yeah, it uh, it definitely feels old school in that way. I mean, it's oh, right. not, no, like, no disgrace like, like, a, like home. Sorry, like yeah. a fade out ending. Yeah, like, yeah. Uh, songs just sort of lower the volume at the end. <laughs> yeah, it could have yeah. just. I mean, it could just ended with "There's no uh, dishonorable Homer. that honorable" because the back yeah. and forth with him and Bard is not like. 
super funny. Yeah. Or you end it on Homer's woohoo. Like yeah. that's that feels like a hard enough like slap. Like no one's punished. Woohoo, the end. Like I do like uh, Marge's line read on like happily reading dishonorably discharged. <laughs> yeah. yeah, the best they could have hoped for. I do like that. Yeah, dishonorably discharged. It's funny. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it, and it does. If we're talking about losing the family in episodes, this does bring the family back into it. I suppose. I guess Homer does approve of his earring at the end that we never uh, see again. Yeah, yeah. I guess Bart Bart should have that again. There's a thing. Just have Bart say a line like, "Oh, it's not cool anymore. I don't wear them." Or right. or him saying like, "Oh, you want me to wear an earring? I'm never gonna wear an earring, Dad." Or something. Right. I don't know. And Instead by the way, Dad, Mr. Burns says you can have your job back too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we didn't we didn't really finish that uh, that plot element up. They, they expect you to have forgotten he got fired. Yeah, I mean, I yeah. did until we started doing this podcast. It's <laughs> like, oh, right, he did get fired in this episode. But yeah, I guess that was uh, Simpson Tide. Uh, Henry, you, you added a lot of context. I Again, like, uh, if you're listening out there, and I hope you still are, uh, please <laughs> let us know, do you have memories of Crimson Tide? Like, what, did this stick in your mind as much as other movies from that era? Like, I don't know, Jurassic Park or mm. things that are still referenced today. I, I just feel like, I'm sure it's good, and you say it's good, Henry, but it's like there's so many Tom Clancy-ish, Hunt for Red October, Some of All Fears, mm submarine style movies that like this gets lots in the mix i think crimson tide's a good movie just because i like seeing good actors yell at each other and that's that's what the film is uh with really fun lighting uh, but i mean it's and also i mean it is military propaganda you're supposed to want to join the navy after you watch it like it is it is join right. the navy uh, the movie i i still give it a thumbs up i this this episode um there are funny bits in it because there's just so many jokes i think that some have to succeed but yeah there's there's some real weaknesses here too and i think the to this point, Smithers dancing with the village people is maybe my least favorite joke yeah. in the series to this point. Yeah, and we can see how they don't have a writer's room to run an episode through. They have like basically yeah. four people. So I feel like the yeah. rewrite room would have grown to so much at that they'd have redone it. Like, I think. <laughs> but that's just my guess. Yeah. Any final thoughts on this one, Jack? Yeah, I mean, you know, uh, uh, I, I, my big takeaway is that like I, I had sworn I had seen every Simpsons episode. Then when, when I was starting to watch this one, I was like, I think I've never seen this episode. Uh, and then I realized that I had through the Russia sequence. So I, I don't know. I mean, I think this episode, you know, it's maybe worth watching the uh, the Rocky and Bullwinkle couch gag and then the UN uh, sequence through uh, Russia. And uh, that's about all you need. <laughs> so we'll do our plugs once we're off the line with you, Jack. Can you please tell us where we can find you and support sure, you yeah. and your uh, podcast? So I, I do the Struggle Session podcast, which you can find at patreon.com slash struggle session. And that's kind of like a lefty look at pop culture. Um, and then I also do a daily Twitch stream every day with my wife. That's also out as a podcast now called Jack AM FM. If you want to watch it live and with video, you can tune into twitch.tv slash Jack AM uh, Monday through Friday uh, at 7 a.m. Pacific every, every weekday. I love both of those things first off with struggle session i want to celebrate your your live viewing of the um rise of the skywalker uh, right. trailer was very uh. good as as was uh we talked about blade runner uh before i think and yeah. the the one you guys did with david Hayter was a really really good podcast he's so great he's like he's like a super i, mean, I was really i was really impressed with david's sort of willingness to actually talk about structure and movies in a way that you know people in hollywood are kind of like afraid to do that i thought that was really cool he's he's a great guy that was a really fun episode to do and jack am is a lot of fun i can only watch it so many times a week because sometimes it makes me too sad (laughs) (laughs) yeah it's a brutal it's a pretty brutal show i mean look it's the topical show so that's the one i'm doing where we are talking about what's going on in the world 
old, and so you know it reflects what's going on in the world. Sorry, you know, and, uh, <laughs> and it, it, things are not so great right now. And the uh, the fun games you have of people giving you bits to to do certain things, like the wheel of right. praise, or <laughs> one uh, uh, the one you guys just did yesterday at the day uh, time of this recording of reading from the Michael Ian Black and Megan McCain book. Oh uh, God, is, we're doing it a page at a time. It's uh, certainly hell, but America, you sexy <laughs> bitch. But Kate, I I'm mean, surprised that Kate, my wife, does a. Really it's the good greatest. Megan McCain. I had she no is idea. so good at Megan McCain. Like, just w- watch, <laughs> watch or listen for that. That intro they do where they're just basically admitting, like, we have the same agent and yeah. we said we'd do a book and then we did a fake thing on Twitter where we agreed to write a book together. It, it is truly funny. Like, Ugh. that it's supposed to be like a fun or exciting story that their agents know each other. <laughs> it's just so silly. I hope that blood money was worth it for MIB. <laughs> I think, yeah. yeah, I hope it, so too. It, I, I mean, I, I do hope that I do wish the best for Michael Ian black who i think is a funny guy and i do hope he made a lot of money with the book that i happen to think sucks and uh <laughs> he shouldn't like be so nice about megan mccain just because his fucking agent like paired yeah. him with her also, at one point if michael e, the, the michael ian e. black that i loved as a kid on states yeah. and v variety and stella he would be the guy who now would be making fun of like man i can't believe i did a book with that piece of shit megan mccain not, like it's, it's do that like, joke man but instead he's like no i made a deal she's my friend like fuck you <laughs> that like, is so funny it's like the idea that your agent just like pairs you with a lifelong friendship. <laughs> it's so funny yeah. to me, but whatever. I, this is not dumping on Michael E. Black time. But anyway, yes. And and your Twitter account is very, very uh, yes, funny. Yes, it's at Jack guys. Allison, LOL. Don't fall for the imposter accounts. Just go to Jack <laughs> Allison, LOL. Hey, you know, I can probably get the fucking check mark now that there's a million imposter accounts if I wanted it, but I don't. <laughs> the re- the coolest people don't have the blue check mark. It's true. <laughs> but thank you so uh, well, much. Thanks for having me, guys. It's been really fun yeah. to come on and, uh, and talk with you guys. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'd be glad to come back anytime if you'll ever have me and uh, uh, this has been a really great time so thanks again to Jack Allison remember to check out his uh, podcast struggle session and Jack AM on his Twitch channel yeah it's a lot of fun he's a funny guy and I, I love his caustic opinions on politics and the comedy industry that you'll find on Twitter he's telling it like it is <laughs> and we uh, like don't it. you hate pants Jack <laughs> that's coming up next isn't it uh, it's actually happened in the past oh my god well no. we're recording it next please please <laughs> just forget I said anything everybody but listen to me folks if you want to help support the show and get some cool bonuses uh, please go to patreon.com slash talking simpsons everything we do is supported by that patreon and if you join at the five dollar level you will get everything that we do including what a cartoon and talking simpsons a week ahead of time and ad free and at the five dollar level we have a lot of bonuses dozens and dozens of bonus podcasts including all of our exclusive series the newest of which is talk king of the hill and henry what is our newer ten dollar tier well if you guys are regular subscribers or you're just waiting to sign up at the ten dollar and up level you'll get to hear our monthly what a cartoon movie podcast where me and bob go over a different animated feature film once a month in the same talking simpsons style for up to and including three hours you should listen to our most recent one if you sign up right now spider-man into the spider-verse where i'm certain i said quite a lot of things about peter parker my favorite fictional character so please check that out too ten dollar and up level patreon.com slash talking simpsons and i have been one of your hosts bob Mackey. you can find me on twitter as bob servo my other podcast is retro knots it's a classic gaming podcast every monday and occasionally on friday please go to retronauts.com or look for retronauts in your podcast machine and subscribe to it why don't you henry how about you you should follow me on twitter at h-e-n-e-r-e-y-g that's where you get all your updates from the henry gilbert world which includes whenever new podcasts go live on the patreon or on the free feeds or also my 
my own political and comedy thoughts. I'm only just copying Jack. He's he's the uh, my inspiration. <laughs> no, but definitely follow me on Twitter. H-E-N-E-R-E-Y-G. Thanks a lot for listening, folks. We'll see you next week for The Trouble with Trillions. And we'll see you then. Simpson, but next time, tidy other end to the ship.